Peterson Show. I like your stories and your reporting. Great show. We need uh, people that give it to you straight. Sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. That's kind of your calling card, Mr. Peterson. This is the J.P. Peterson Show, presented by FanStream Sports. Now, here's award-winning sports journalist, J.P. Well, I just got done watching... A bunch of uh, Jameis Winston videos of him dancing and eating W's after the game. Because I am, uh, I'm just a glutton for punishment. But damn, J-Boo, you look like a freaking idiot. Stop. You look like a child. I know you, you feel you were wronged and all that, but Jiminy Christmas, grow up. I never said anything that critical about Jameis. But it's true. <laughs> Whew. Yeah, man. He, he a little outside of himself doing yeah. something like that. Yeah. He's hurting. I get it. And people were, and people were crying out that we need to re-sign him. <laughs> Stop. Stop with that. LOL. Um, all right. It's Overreaction Monday as uh, or Bitchin' Moan Monday, whatever you want to call it. 727-518-0820. We'll give you guys uh, plenty of opportunity to jump in here and give us your thoughts. Um I'm going to give you my thoughts on what what the hell happened last night. But if you're a listener to this show, I think you got a little preview last week when I was talking about the chemistry of this team. And I don't think it's even arguable at this point. Something has happened to this team. Something has happened to this team. And it started right before... Well, it started the outcome we saw in the Giants game. We thought that was an aberration, flat performance. These things happen. You At least you won the game. You went out there slow, uh, but you did come back and win the game. No crowd. It was cold. We gave you a pass on that one. Last night, no passes given. No passes will be given. That was an abomination on so many levels. And we're going to hit it on a, on a bunch of different levels. And, and first and foremost, it starts up front. It starts up front. That's not new, but I think it's the number one reason this game was lost last night. First, let's just listen to one play that I think is kind of indicative of whole, how the whole night went. And that was the first touchdown to Traquan Smith. A third and 10. The Bucks played a couple of good plays of defense. You get This is the time you get the other team off the field. And, and what, where is coaching matchup coaching, and really the essence of coaching, where is that manifested in a football game? Third down. Third down. That's where coaches crunch. Third and three, this is our play. We really like it. Third and eight, this is what we really like. Third and ten, this is what we really like, and this is why. Here's a matchup. We're going to take advantage of this guy. That's where you you want to see the chess match in football games. For the most part, zero in on third downs, and you'll see what goes on. This was third and ten, first uh, possession for the Saints. Well, it's third down and ten. Four-man rush. Breeze hangs in the pocket. Throws wide, wide open. 
Dionisi inbounds is the question. Smith for the touchdown. Traquan Smith. Wide open on third and ten in the red zone. How the hell does that happen? Well, first of all, you rush four. And I don't think they even sniff Drew Brees' Old Spice when they rushed four last night. Not once. But that was the game plan against one of the best offensive lines in football with two all-pro tackles? That was your game plan. Rush four. Okay. Play zone. Rush four against Drew Brees. Okay. Never works. Never freaking works against Drew Brees. Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles are now 0-4 against the Saints. And I'll submit to you they've been outcoached every single time. That's a problem. On that particular play, they motion out Alvin Kamara to the outside, putting up trips on the right. Not This is not an exotic formation that nobody's seen before. But Drew Brees has the time to little pump fake out to Alvin Kamara. It's third and 10, by the way, folks. It's third and 10. If you're going to run a running back screen, you don't need to jump that on third and 10 when you're five, six, seven yards off the ball. You come up and meet him. It's fourth down. But as soon as Drew Brees pumps the ball over there, three guys react, and nobody takes Traquan Smith. Jamel Dean stayed at the line of scrimmage. I think um, not exactly sure whose man it was. Mike Edwards was looking at it, or, or Sean Murphy Bunting was looking at it like it was Jamel Dean's guy. Whatever, it's a bust in coverage, and we saw it all night long. And it's a bust in coverage because Sean Payton saw something on the tape that they could take advantage of, and they did. And the Bucks were outcoached in that situation. Outcoached. And we saw it on a lot of third downs last night. The Bucks were one for nine on third down. The Saints were four, I'm sorry, nine of 14. That's getting your ass out coached tremendously. Now, I talked about the, uh, the trenches last night. Donovan Smith, man, were you bad last night. Joe Haig, who filled in for Ali Marpet. Boy, did we miss Ali Marpet, big time. And evidently, um, Ali must have taken Donovan's cojones with him when he left. Ouch, babe. <laughs> Hate to say it, but that's, that. you know, if, if a guy named Hendrickson, some sixth-round slapdick prospect who's making one, one hundredth of what you make, Donovan Smith, dominates you like that, you should be embarrassed. You should be embarrassed. And you almost got your quarterback killed multiple times. Three sacks, nine hits. Brady, when he's not protected, is not a good quarterback. It's awful. Even on the first play of the game, I heard Dan Orlovsky saying it this morning, same thing I said. You leave Cam Jordan and, and Tristan Wirfs solo on the first play of the game, and what happens? You get bull rushed. I mean, that's that's just not a good plan. And he hits Brady as he throws, almost had a pick. It was all night long. Brady was under under duress. I asked after the game, Bruce Arians, about losing the line of scrimmage, both lines of scrimmage, and how much they're really missing Vita Vea and Ali Marpet. 
Coach, uh, how concerned are you about uh, both lines, losing both lines of scrimmage tonight, and how much of that is the loss of Vita Vea and Marpet? Well, obviously, Vita's big, but, uh, you know, it, it was disturbing. Uh, I, I think Joe Haig probably played okay, but the game kind of led its way to no running. And uh, so you're not going to win many games losing the line of scrimmage on both sides. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. And defensively, they're really missing Vita Vea. You know, I've been talking about this for weeks, and it's really manifested itself in the last few games. The Saints ran for 138 yards. The Bucks pre-Vita Vea being injured were holding teams to 66 yards. That's how much they miss him. It's a huge loss. But you know what? Man up, Buttercup. Somebody's got to step in there and do it. Whoever it is, or Todd Bowles has got to make some adjustments. They haven't done it so far. So first and foremost, you get your ass beat on both lines of scrimmage. That's not something that's going to change the next time you beat the, uh, play the Saints. Of course, Ali Marpet comes back. It's a big deal. But those guys got to be better. And whatever was going on last night with, with the intensity, and, and I'll, I'll tell you something else. I was down uh, where the team comes out before the game. And look, I'm not going to make a big deal out of this, but when those guys came out, they were utterly silent. Silent. You could have heard a church mouse. It was it was a little bizarre. I was like, wow, they're just kind of walk. It's a Sunday night football game. Everybody's been jacked up all day. Nobody was like, it, it was it was like a death march. And I'll be damned if they didn't just come out flat as could be. You know, nobody was hooting and hollering back there. Kind of bizarre, to be honest with you. Kind of bizarre. And as for the Bucks' defensive game plan. It was as vanilla as a Mike Smith Chicago Bears night. And they they blitzed a couple times and there with a little bit of success where Breeze at least had to pull the ball down, but for the most part it was I think it was 16 out of uh, 30 some snaps that uh, or, or I guess it was no it was less than that, 20 some snaps that it was all just rush four and zone behind it. And and not only that, those receivers against the zone were wide freaking open. It was the softest, least aggressive zone I've ever seen. And after the game, I asked uh, Shaq about that, about uh, what the game plan was and, and, and whether they made any adjustments during the game. Hey, Shaq, um, it looks like you guys rushed four most of the night. Did you try to make some adjustments after they were having success? Did you, did you, get, did you feel like there were more blitzes coming or you could have blitzed more? What's your thoughts on that? I gotta just go back and look at the film. I don't even be remembering all the calls. I got. I'm still. I'm upset because of the way we play. I'm just frustrated. But uh, I'm pretty sure Coach Bowles usually has us in the right stuff. I'm pretty sure I don't have nothing to do with what he called. He got faith in the guys out there to get the job done. So it's all on us. I know he always put us in the right situation. He got the best games of uh, any coach I played under. So was, I don't think it was nothing that he did. It was pretty bland. And I heard Dan Orlovsky talking about that this morning as well. It just was the worst game plan that he's seen on either side of the ball all year long. I have that audio, I think. Oh, you do? Have you got that? Yeah. Look. Yeah, I think, it's the, I think it's the one you want. No. Dial it up. What happened to Tampa last night? I know you had a lot of questions about the game plan. That's the worst game plan I've seen in the NFL this year. And I've watched every snap of Jets football. So that's saying a lot. The worst game plan I have seen in the NFL this season. This is the image that I remember. Brady having to get helped up 
off the ground last night because that's the difference of the game. The reality is this, guys. Brady is Tampa Bay's crown jewel. If you do not protect your crown jewel, you don't have a chance. You're not good enough as a coaching staff. When Brady was in New England, it was about diversity, different game plan every week, how to protect them, all that stuff. This week, it's line up. We're going to play the same game plan. We're going to play the same game plan. It's, it, this is two weeks in a row, Bruce Arians. This is two weeks in a row, Byron Leftwich, where your game plan has stunk. It has to get better. Start to use different formations. Use some motion. Protect your quarterback better. Because if you don't, you're not going to win what you should, and that's the Super Bowl. Hard to argue with that. Hard to argue with that. So the game plans were terrible. You got out physical on the line of scrimmage. And I'll come to my last point, and I think this is the critical one. There's something wrong with this team, chemistry-wise. And it started a couple weeks ago. What happened a couple weeks ago? The signing of Antonio Brown. I'm not blaming this on A.B. This is not on A.B. As far as we know, he hasn't done anything except that stupid celebration when you get a first down and, and you're up 31 nothing. I mean, come on. But regardless, he hadn't played in a long time. We'll, we'll give him that. No, this is what I've been talking about for two weeks. Bruce Arians was never on board with bringing Antonio Brown in here. He wasn't. He told me himself personally, emphatically. And he said the same thing publicly. So I'm not giving up any private information here. It just may have been a little bit more emphatic privately. So what the hell happened? What the hell changed to make him think Antonio Brown was needed here? It's Tom Brady. We all know it. It's Tom Brady. And I'm very concerned about the chemistry in that locker room. Look, I've heard the sound bites from Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. We played them on the show. It's going to be great. AB will take, you know, I've been getting double covered all year. Blah, 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 blah. No, the more talent, the better. Blah, 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 blah. Folks, when you're an alpha like these guys are, and there are only, only so many targets in a game, and your offense is humming, and your quarterback pounds the table, and whomever else, maybe it was Jason Light, I don't know, says, I want to get A.B. in here. Even after you've had injuries. Look, Mike, Mike, Mike Evans played on a bad ankle. Okay, he's healthy now. Godwin's healthy now. you got Scotty Miller. You've got guys, you got Tyler Johnson. This team is not at a lack of weapons, guys that have been here the whole time. But when you go outside the organization and bring in a guy like Antonio Brown with all the transgressions that he's done, and and all you know, and your receivers, Mike Evans, have been the they've been the good soldiers, and at Godwin and Brait and Rojo and all the guys that have been here, they've been good soldiers. They haven't said squat in the media. They're pissed. I guarantee you they're pissed. I've talked to multiple former players about this today. And they said, you can't prove it, but you ain't crazy. These guys have egos. And not only that, when things are going right, I mean, what does it say to Godwin and Evans and all these guys that your your, your offense is humming and all of a sudden they, say, they think they got to bring in A.B.? That's a slap in your face. That's all there is to it. And you would like to say, oh, everybody's going to be professional and it's all for one and we all love each other. 
Folks, it doesn't always work that way, especially when there's money at stake as well. And receivers get paid based on their numbers. Let's not be foolish. Chris Godwin's a hell of a blocker, but he ain't getting paid to block. That only happened with Michael Clayton. (laughs) And I love you, Michael. But there's something seriously going wrong. And I and I think this is the moment that Bruce Arians has to step up, and, and Tom Brady, more than anything else, has to step up and squash this. And they need to air this out. Because it feels like to me that something has drastically gone wrong with the chemistry of this team in the last few weeks. It's not the same team. And look, Marpet and Vita Vea being gone, that's real. That's the number one. The game plans last night, the number two. And I think this is definitely a strong third. It's not insurmountable. This is just a, a you know, this this is a, a clearing of the air that needs to be had. And maybe it's a, we made a mistake. We disrespected our other players. AB, you're gone. I don't know. That seems like a weird thing to do as well, to be quite honest with you. He's here. You've paid the money. And again, this is not A.B.'s fault. This is on Bruce Arians. This is on Jason Light. This is on Tom Brady. This is on the leadership of the team that made that decision. That's the bottom line on that. That's the bottom line on that. little intro music for us I love today. that. That's that's my master's music right there. That's a beautiful hey, thing. I'm Jim Nance. I needed that. Masters. I actually needed that at that moment. But this let, let's listen in to Bruce Arians today when he was asked about Mike Evans because I swear to God, last night in the first half, right as we were approaching the first half, I literally said to myself, did Mike Evans get hurt? Did I miss something? I mean, I don't even remember him playing the first half. I don't think he got targeted until late in the second quarter. I mean, where the hell is Mike Evans? And Bruce was asked about that today. Mike Evans had just 17 targets combined in the last four games. He had 31 targets in the previous four, two of which he topped 100 yards. I know you don't want to force the ball to Mike. Uh, that got Jameis into trouble last year at some. But with him being the best receiver on this team, why isn't Byron making a more concerted effort of getting Mike involved in the passing game earlier? Mike is Mike was open a bunch in that ball game. He just didn't. He didn't get targeted. That's all. He was open. Mike was was open. Uh oh. <laughs> got, got him stuck. Uh oh. That ain't good. Cause you know what Mike's feeling today? I was open. Why didn't I get the damn ball? It seemed a lot of third downs. Where was he looking? Gronk. A non separating Gronk. A dropping the football in the end zone Gronk. And how about the lack of creativity at the goal line, first and goal? And they've been awesome all year long in goal-to-go situations. Two crappy fades to Evans, who Ulatimore just, I'm sorry, he bodies him up and he plays him well. (laughs) How that is your go-to play in that situation, I have no idea. An off-tackle run that gets stuffed by Rojo and a Gronk drop. The, the lack of creativity in this offense is unbelievable right now. And the thing I said last week that 
I said, I don't want people to get wrapped up in what AB's going to do. I mean, you saw the broadcast last night. They couldn't stop talking about AB. I mean, the guy's been here a week of practice. You really expected him to be that involved in the offense? And unfortunately, he did get five targets, and one of them did turn into an interception. Not necessarily because it was AB's fault. In fact, BA said today that that was a bad throw by by Brady. And in reading the coverage, AB was right to stop and go back shoulder because uh, whoever was covering him was up on his upfield shoulder. He should have stopped. That should have been a back shoulder throw, and Brady completely whiffed it and threw a pick. Brady was awful last night, and I can't think but feel I've never seen him play like that. Why? Because they were so concentrating on the game plan to get A.B. involved? Or maybe they were trying to make sure they didn't piss off everybody else and and, and throw too much to A.B.? Or, or they had to put in a couple of plays this week for A.B.? And while they're doing that, everybody else is rolling their eyes. Folks, this is the problem. When you start trying to mix in an ingredient, I said this last week in my cooking analogy. If you have a strong ingredient, a very pungent, like let's say cilantro or a coriander, you have to be very, very judicious with how you use it or it's going to ruin the sauce. And if your sauce is good and it's tasting perfect, you can't add that extra spice. It's going to F it up because then you got to change everything else just to balance it. You want to put in a little sugar here and there, it's okay. But if you're going to come with a big personality that brings a lot of attention and usually demands the football and is had a lot of transgressions, you're going to spoil the sauce. You done spoiled the sauce, boys. It's a It was a bad move from the beginning. And I'm not saying, again, this is not AB's fault. This is the organization's fault. And they're going to have to figure out how to deal with it. And we'll see how it goes. But right now, I don't think you can I don't think you can really dismiss this as a main the way this team has played the past two weeks, it is not the same team we saw all year long. Right? Right. Why not? What's changed? It's pretty damn apparent. All right, 727-518-0820 is the number. Who we got? Your boy, Frank. Frankie! Hello, friends. Hello, friends. It's Masters Week. (laughs) Nobody does it better than Tommy White. Um, That's true. Let's talk about the Masters. I don't want to talk about the Buccaneers. They were were another team last night. I don't know what you could call them, but you could substitute a letter. They were terrible. Anyway, let's talk about who we think. Uh, has the possibility of winning. I am going with Dustin Johnson all the way. Dustin Johnson. You know, we got yep. Bob, Bob Herrick's coming on at 4.30 live from the Masters. Hello, friends. <laughs> so we'll see. How do you not pick DeChambeau? He's hitting freaking seven iron into 15, bro. He's hitting I, I, wedge into 13, the par fives. He hit but a the, nine iron into eight, the other par five. This uh, is Tiger 2000, bro. Well, it could be the Tiger. I mean, in, in terms of the length, by the way, not yes, the total game. Yeah. 
the only other thing that Tiger had cut it. Your phone, your phones, your phone signals petering out, partner. Just like you. What? It's bad. No, it's better now. Ah, there we go. It moved bad. Uh, Duchambeau's not that great of a putter. He's an average putter. Yeah. If he gets on a hot streak, now that's another story. But yeah. for the most part, he's not a putter. He's a ball beater like nobody else. But Bobby Jones said that the object of the ball game at Augusta, uh, when uh, all the players were bitching about uh, the putting, unfair, uh, he, uh, they all wrote this letter to... Uh, 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 to Bobby uh, Jones. Staff. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the next one, even Fuzzy, who won that year, he wrote a letter because he didn't want to be the only All right. Sorry, your phone's crapping out, partner. And uh, we'll get to the Masters a little bit later on. So uh, Bob Herrick's going to join us from Augusta at uh, 530. Or 430. I'm sorry. All right. You can join the conversation. 727-518-0820. We went a, a whole half hour there of all content. So we'll take a... Uh, six-minute break here, five- to six-minute break. Not too long, but Shane Stafford will join us on the other side. Still shorter than Orlando. Still shorter than Orlando and our competition. Way shorter. Uh, but th- we do that for you, folks. We do that for you because we love you. Uh, but you can join the show, 727-518-0820. Am I crazy? Who's this on last night? Let's get your thoughts. Shane Stafford will join us as well. We'll get his thoughts. Stay with us. WWBA. Fan Street Sports. Tap the app. Oh, yeah. Fan Stream Sports. Download it today. Now back to more with JP. Oh, wow. Tony and I were uh, just commiserating on how bad the weekend was on, on so many levels. Yeah. My college team got crushed. They were horrible. My pro team gets crushed. I did win both my fantasy games. That's about it. <laughs> You want to hear this? Wagering wasn't great this weekend. My golf game sucked, and I got dissed by somebody. Yeah, my my Saturday, (laughs) I spent at the patio. I was watching the Gators game. Uh, Congratulations on the Gators. Thank God I won money on the Gators. Gators At least that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was I happy got, about I get, that. I get told, and shout I get told out to off. our 7-0 Liberty Flames. Yeah, yes. how about that? Let's go. Yes, if you if you are a fan of the TV4 Sports Show, which you can catch every Sunday on this station, 10 to 12, right before kickoff of every Sunday game, we, we, you know we're big Liberty Flames fans. Good for you. All right, let's uh, speaking of flaming, let's uh, get on with our, our good friend Shane Stafford, our quarterback guru, former AFL, NFL quarterback what's up partner how are you i'm good man but i hope i'm not flaming you're on fire man you were I, all the texts you were texting me about the bucks game i'm like dude he's on uh, fire i got i'm like save it for the show bro <laughs> well i only told you so yeah all right. uh, that's all. plus i called the uh actually i think don't i get a cut of that florida game <laughs> you want to cut i don't know did uh, you had i lost would you be paying part of it well, we never discussed that. Okay. Aspect. All right. Well, then there you go. I think you have your answer. <laughs> if you venture nothing, you get nothing. That's how. Yeah, that's kind of how it works. True story. True story. Uh, but you were on the, on the money, as was I. I um, we thought that as was our friend Lee Sterling. We thought the wrong team was favored, and we were correct. Yeah. I, I was a little shocked at how 
how bad – well, not how bad the Georgia defense was, how good the Florida offense is because I didn't, I didn't see him putting up, what, 48 points. Let's see that. No, no, no. I didn't see him putting up 48 points either. But when you have a tight end as lethal as what they have, I mean, that guy's going to be a hell of a pro. Um, I, I forget his name, but that, that uh, tight end, he does so many things for you from an offensive standpoint. You create mismatches, and especially at the collegiate level, yeah. you create so many mismatches because they don't have the uh, superior athletes like it, like it is at the NFL level. I tell you what, though, that hit he took, oh, my God. Yeah. I thought he was dead. Holy I thought hell. the other guy, I thought the guy from Georgia was dead. He killed himself, but yeah. He laid, literally laid on the guy, and he, and, and he tried to push him off of him, and he was like, this guy's he was not out. moving. He was out. <laughs> yeah, he knocked himself out. He knocked his helmet yeah, I got so much respect. Wow. I got so much respect for that man. Kyle yeah. Pitts, baby. Yeah, I tell you what, I wouldn't have got yeah. up from that ever. He's in concussion Ever. protocol Ever. right now. Is he? Concussion. Yeah, it's what yeah. he is right now. Yeah. You think? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean. I, I mean, and, and those are the those are the hits that used to happen all the time in football. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, that was fair. That was a that was that was considered a great hit back in the day, and that's what safeties did when guys came right. over the middle. Right. Not, and, right. and you know what? As much as we'd love to see that, you know, back in the day, I, I got to say now that, yeah, it's, it's we don't need to. You know, when guys are defenseless like that, you just can't lay them out like that. One hundred percent. Hate to say. One hundred percent. Yeah. You know, yeah. hate to say you gladiators out there, but nah, we don't. We don't need that anymore. So. Yep, I'm with you. It's a gladiator sport, but let's uh, yeah. tone that stuff down. So let's let's talk about these game plans, and we'll start with the offense. Um, Do we have to? Yeah, I mean, you're the man. You're the one who watches the tape. I mean, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think you need to be an NFL or AFL quarterback to see to just throw up your hands and go, "What the hell was Byron Leftwich doing?" And Brady as well. I mean, Brady. Brady's as much to blame, you know, the this, the shots that he took um, in terms of the ones he would, you know, throw deep three times on the first three series, you go four and out or three and out on four straight uh, series. That Brady's never done that before, and it was because he was doing stuff he never does. Yeah, and I don't know why that came into the game plan in, in terms of doing that and taking those shots. I can understand a couple of them. Yeah. I, I really can. But come on now, what what are, what are we doing? Are we trying to show off? Or are we trying to win a football game here? No, I honestly uh, thought that for a second. It's like Brady trying to show he's got a better arm than Breeze. I mean, what the it, hell's going on? No, and it never. <laughs> <laughs> I understand what you're saying. I'm not trying to laugh at it because who knows? It could be true. Um, I mean, just subconsciously, I'm like, what the I, hell's he doing? Exactly, and it's like. You know, sometimes as a quarterback, you do want to look across and you do want to say, I am better than you. No matter what you do, I'm going to beat you And uh, as a quarterback. And they say, like, quarterbacks don't ever compete against the other quarterback. And you don't because it's a team game. But, you but, what, I, but what I will say is you absolutely want to win certain games because you want to show yeah. that person – and I saw that where, uh, you know, uh, Tom Brady's been beaten by only one quarterback by over 30 points uh, three times or something like that. And it's been uh, Drew Brees or How something that? crazy. Yeah. That's, He's 5-2 and that's, two against Brady. Dude, that's amazing. And yeah. so what does that say? That, that shows me that uh, whatever game plan they have against the Saints, erase it, eliminate it. And I know I texted you last night, run 
the yes. ball. Yes. Run the rock. And I can't say what I really said on air. Yeah. But geez and Pete's man, what why aren't we running the rock the first look, we have two great running backs against a team like the Saints, and I do why do we put our front our our, our, our offensive line which right now they were doing well. They were doing very well. But come on, man! You put one of your uh, your rookie offensive offensive tackle against one of the best pass rushers in the game right now on the first play of the game. What, Cam I mean, Jordan, yeah, believe you on have to yeah. look. I'm going to be honest. The only way that these two teams get to the Super Bowl, New Orleans Saints and Tampa Bay Bucks, is if we keep. Our quarterback upright. Yeah. I told you that. I told yeah. you that prior to the game, and we didn't keep ours upright, and they did. Yep, yep. They got, we got beat in the trenches anyway. On third down, the Bucks were one of nine, and I believe the Saints were nine of fourteen. And I, and I said in my monologue that you know that's where the coaching is done, right? That's where third downs when you develop your best plays um you look right, at the matchups right. and you say this guy's a weakness that's guy's a weakness we're going to get into this matchup and that's how we're going to get third downs and to me uh Bruce Arians now um 0 and 4 against the Saints in 2 years and against Sean Payton and I he and Bowles have been out coached drastically I think in in every one and the fourth game that you you're just going to sit back and play zone against Drew Brees and rush four that ain't gonna right. work that ain't going to work what, what, what are we, again, what are we doing? Like, right, yeah. the, you, you what know, are we doing? Reason, yeah, exactly. And that's what we continue to ask. The reason we lost the game in the uh, in the Superdome, the week one, was because of Tom Brady and his stupidity and some of the dumb throws. Yep. Okay? Now, the reason we lost this game was because of Tom Brady, but also what compounded that was us just sitting in a stupid prevent type of zone and let our front four think that they're better than there and Drew Brees can't get rid of the ball. Man, he knows everywhere to go with that football. You know what I was hoping going into this game? I was hoping Ita or Eta or however you say this dang hurricane's name was going to come in. Yeah, was going to come into this thing and take away the strength of Drew Brees. I knew we had a better running game, but I was hoping that and I'm sorry if I'm getting a little emotional, but I was hoping that it would take away from Drew Brees. Yeah. Instead, it took away from our old guy, Tom Brady. Well, I don't know if it was the weather, but it certainly was the reads. Um, what did you see from the, the reads? Because uh, today, Bruce Arians said Mike Evans was open. Said he was open a lot, and and he just didn't get the ball from from uh, Brady. Why, why not? Yeah, well, you and I know both know a little bit about that, don't we? Um, potentially, he, he he could have been hanging on on one guy. His, his number, I don't know what number he is now. He 81? might have been seven. He might have been seventeen up in New England. You didn't let me get to it. Okay. He might have been eighty four in one other team, and he might have been eighty one here. And uh, we all know Tom Brady will make somebody feel welcome if he wants yep. to. Yep. And and. Um, that was part of it. Honestly, I will say it was part of it. But I also think just the game plan. If you want to here, – here's the thing. I'm going to tell you like this. But if Evans was open, why didn't he get the ball? Well, first of all, pressure was part of it. The pressure know? was part of yeah. it, yes. But, but, but here's the thing. If you want to create opportunities for a guy, and if you're a quarterback, I've been in these situations as an offense coordinator. Again, in the Arena League, 
Yes, I get it. It is professional football with grown-ass men that have played football for all their lives. And trust me, you have grown-ass coaches coaching against me. So if I want to get a guy the ball, I create certain ways on how to get them the ball, whether it's motions, whether it's shifts, whether it's however it may be. Formations, without a doubt. There are ways to get a guy the ball and get him welcome, get him feeling good about himself without taking away from the rest of the offense. Mm-hmm. And, and and you know what? They're all going to have to go. Because what did I text you prior to this game or even like right when the game started? I thought next week's game was going to be the killer. And, and against Carolina, if we don't get our stuff straight, we're going to lose two oh, yeah. straight conference oh, game, no, no. divisional games. Yeah. And that, that's what I'm saying is, we we got to forget who the personnel is, and we just got to go to the open guy. Tom Brady, suck it up. Everybody suck it up. And I know one thing about Bruce Arians and that coaching staff. They're not going to um, put themselves in a position to where, you know, the team just, you know, the, 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 everybody's running. You know, the inmates are running the, uh, right. you know, the, 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 the what's asylum. Or whatever. Yes. Yeah, yeah, the asylum. I don't want right, to say me, the wrong let, thing. Let me just ask you this point blank, all right? Yes, as an offensive coordinator, Shane Stafford joining us here, AFL, NFL, former quarterback and uh, OC in the AFL. As an offensive coordinator, when you have a strong personality like Antonio Brown coming into the yeah. mix, and, and, and that, that looked like a team last night that didn't have an identity, that didn't know exactly what they wanted to do. It looked like they were disjointed, and the last two games have been that way. And, and I'm not putting this on A.B., but I think his presence has created some type of chemistry rift where the O.C. is trying to work him in but not piss off Evans and not change what we're doing, but you got to kind of get him in. And, and you know when you're when you're I, I made the analogy of, of cooking a good spaghetti sauce because I know something about that. If you're adding just a pinch of salt, it's not hard. But when you're adding, you know, All some right. cilantro or or cori, I mean, some heavy spice, it's going to screw everything up. Right. And I and I really think that's what we're looking at right now. The personalities wise, I. I, I I just don't think that that Godwin and Evans and Brayton and all the guys that have been here are really welcoming this whole Antonio Brown thing. I don't want to go and say that. I I don't, but I I do have a feeling that it could potentially go that way. Um, As an offensive coordinator, um, like I said just previously, there are ways to get somebody new in the mix. Now, there are some times where I've had to actually, as an offense coordinator in the Arena League, uh, take a veteran of the Arena League of over 15 years, set every Arena League record, everyone came in, and at the end of the year, we ended up winning the Arena Bowl and whatnot, and I didn't play him, and he was a good friend of mine, too. And he said after that Arena Bowl, He's like, you just ruined my arena career. I'm like, what are you talking about? You played over 15, whatever years. And if y'all want to look him up, go look him up. But I'm saying, though, the coaching staff is going to have to break everything. And and eventually, whatever is going to be that tick that's not allowing them to talk, they got to get rid of it. And um, if if that's A.B., then so be it. If it's the other guys, um, if it's coaching staff not getting him um, the certain guy in position to win, well, then, you know, the coaching staff has to, has to do that. So 
We just have to find a way. It's one game, and they suck. So hopefully it was just one game that they sucked that bad. Well, let's hope. Let's hope. All right, partner. Well, go uh, go break down some more film, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you on Friday. Dude, I love it, man. Thank you so much. You, you guys take care, man. All right, you the man. Later. Yeah, and again, I don't want to get this misconstrued. I'm not saying A.B. is the problem. I'm saying and the idea of bringing in A.B., I think, has messed up the chemistry of this team. I think it's put Brady. I think Brady feels responsible that he has to make it work now, and that's a hard thing to do to to bring to to kind of bring in a guy like this and try to shoehorn him into an offense that's already got way too many guys to throw the ball to. Anyway, I think it's just tough. I think I think that's why I, did, I was against it from the very beginning. But getting your ass kicked up front doesn't help either. Is Jack on the line? All right, let's go right to Jack Bourgeois from BlitzAlytics.com and get your perspective on this. What's up, Jack? How are you? Um, I'm doing all right, you know. It's been kind of a bad day, bad week, but I'm yeah, surviving. Right? I know. It's, it's a horrible weekend for me from a football standpoint. But um, what what did you see last night? Like, what If you had the top three things to blame uh, on this Bucks loss, I know we give the Saints no credit. They're a pretty damn good football team. <laughs> but uh, we always take it from, what did the Bucks do wrong? But what, what's your take on what happened last night? Man, from I mean, trying to to pull out there. There's no data to back this this loss up. There there was no research really worth being done. I watched the film over again as much as it hurt to do so, and and they just the Bucks just didn't show up, especially offensively. Second half, the Bucks defense looked a little bit better. They kind of fixed some things. I think Todd Bowles um, is still a little hesitant, knowing that the Saints kind of have his number, um, and he he relied on the zone coverage a little bit more, but. The Bucks just drank their own Kool-Aid. I mean, Fox, ESPN, NFL Network, they crowned them as, as the Super Bowl champs last week, and, yep. and I think they just listened to that and took it to heart, and they did not show up. I mean, when you're being told that you have the most talented offense of all time and, all, and, and, and you know, they, they put all that pressure specifically on Brady, like what you just mentioned, I think the, the pressure on uh, – Brady probably had more pressure in that game than any other regular season game. And none of us knew it, you know, him having, you know, having Antonio Brown there and having Godwin and Evans. And, and it doesn't seem like it's an issue in terms of, you know, them getting along. It seemed like the first week, you know, everybody said the right things in the interviews. But when it came down to it, this was big brother versus little brother in the NFC South. And the Saints just matchup wise apparently have the Bucks number. Yeah, it's a good point, um, especially from a coaching standpoint. I mean, it, it that was a mismatch last night. Um, it just looked like everything Drew Brees wanted to do, he was able to do. He was 14 of his first 16 for 145 and three touchdowns. I mean, that's hard to do that uh, against air. Uh, yeah. And this is supposed to be one of the best defenses in football. I mean, that's just bizarre to me. I mean, a lot of that's got to be lack of effort. And you know, I said this earlier in the show when I watched those watch those guys come out before the game when they were in the tunnel, there was no hooting and hollering going on. They were just kind of flat, and uh, it was it was a little bizarre. Yeah, I, I think you basically just have to take this game out and just throw it away. Throw it away. Um, you know, if we see something, you know, if if next week against the Panthers this is the same thing and we get blown out, or if we lose by multiple scores, then yeah, we have to worry. But. This is going to be do one of two things. It's either going to fix the Bucks um, and get them right and get them motivated, or it's going to derail the season. And I really don't think that we're going to see that. There's too much talent. You know, as bad as the first half was defensively, 
you know, we, we know the Saints aren't, aren't not going to try and run up the score on the Bucks, and they, right. they did hold them to seven points. So if there's one good thing you can take away from that is that the, the Bucks defense still got turnovers. The offense just could not change the momentum. There wasn't a single play, a single score that could actually change the momentum and slow, slow the Saints down. They just got, I mean, they just got manhandled last, last night. There's no other way around it. You know, and I, I firmly believe this, um, that without Ali Marpet, that made Donovan Smith worse because um, I guess the Saints threw a lot of twists at him and, and really attacked that area, as they should. But, I mean, this goes to coaching, right? I mean, if you know the Saints are going to come after Joe Haig, you know that going in. You're not, that's where all the pressure is going to come from. So it seems like the Bucks didn't have an answer. They, didn't have, they know, did. They overloaded that left side big time. And Ollie Marpet is by far our best offensive lineman. It's not even close. So that was that was a crucial, crucial blow last yeah. night. And uh, and I you know I said this when it happened. Losing Vita Vea is going to really affect this defense. And last week the Giants went over 100 yards. That hadn't happened in forever. And then this week the Saints go for 138. And I'm sorry, um, they got to figure out something there because they may be trying to play the same defense. And whoever's in there, whether you know whatever, if it's Nunez, Roches, or whoever, they ain't Vita Vea. So what adjustments do they have to make? Again, it's just going to be they're not going to get that interior pressure uh, from a passing standpoint, and they have to be able to pick and choose their their uh, position or their their personnel. Yeah. I think that's been the big thing is being able to get the right personnel in the field. Uh, for the right plays, they've been in a lot of dime and a lot of nickel when they've had these these big runs. Um, and, and so I think last night was was more so coaching. Last week, I think they did get exposed, and we thought that was going to be the hiccup game. Hopefully, this is the hiccup game. But yeah, Bulls needs needs to figure that out. I won't say that they're they're off the rails, you know, in terms of uh, their their rushing defense. It's been two bad weeks. I don't think you can strictly put that on the loss of Vita Vea. But obviously, like we had said, he was arguably the best nose tackle, the best one technique in the NFL at this point. And uh, losing him is going to be crucial. But it's not to say that there still isn't enough talent for them to allow 38 points to be put up on the board just because they lost Vita Vea. Um, this had to do with you know being exposed in zone coverage, you know the lack of blitzing and being very very timid. They did get some blitzes off, but the, the Saints just know they know this team, they know this defense, they know the offense. Um, well, it'll we, be but, it'll but be interesting know, to see if they play him next uh, play him in the playoffs. But we know Breeze too, and I mean, why why didn't we have an answer for for I mean, going soft zone against Breeze? I mean, hell, I know they, you can't do that. Can't do that. I mean, he's just going to pick you apart all night long. Yeah, and then look if you look at the play calling from the first half to the second half, it was it was literally polar opposite. Press man coverage, you know, getting yeah. getting hands on them at the line of scrimmage. You know, and again, there were some terrible calls. You know, the the Mike Evans uh, fade route. You know, Ugh, there was there was bad God. coaching more so than bad calls. But when you're first and first and goal on the one, and you have Leonard Fournette, it's it's like not giving the ball to Marshawn Lynch. Right. It, it it's literally a it's a football sin. And uh, I could get it. They're trying to get Brady going, finally get him in rhythm. But get the point. What did you think of the um, you know Devin White and? Uh... Uh, Levante last night they were targeted in in the I guess they're playing zone though so um, it, did they get exposed at all because I thought they were two of the best cover linebackers in the game 
they are, uh, but it, it happens. I mean, we've seen it last week. You know, Levante David got it, got it, got beat on, on one down the seam, and then the yeah. week before that, or a couple weeks before that, against Nelson Aguilar. Again, I think they do rely heavily on their their linebackers, and when they're in the wrong personnel, and you have Levante David lined up against an Emmanuel Sanders or an against an Nelson Aguilar, um, they're they're kind of they're putting some risk out there. They're taking a chance. And that has been because they had been beaten on those third downs, or when teams go to a, um, you know, a, a, they run out of shotgun, then it's basically it's putting them on an island and, and forcing these guys to try and make a play. And sometimes it works, and, and you see an interception from Levante David, or you mm-hmm. see a tip pass, and sometimes it doesn't. So it's kind of a risk versus reward. And because of the lack of Vita Vea, it really has limited their personnel op- uh, options uh, defensively. Yeah, that's a problem. Uh, we're talking with Jack Bourgeois from Blitzalytics.com. What did you uh, did you grade out Donovan Smith, and what what was his grade in the game? It, it was it was poorly. It, it, it was beyond poorly. Let's, let's put pathetic. it that way. Yeah. Um, he's had he's had issues against the New Orleans Saints. You know, twice this year. Um, but yeah, he he gave up more pressures. He gave up more QB hits than Joe Haig himself, and, and they. They've always targeted uh, targeted Donovan Smith. Um, you know, dating back to last year, I think he gave up majority of his sacks were against New Orleans again, and specifically uh, Cam Jordan. You know, and they, they called out Henderson, and, and then look at he makes some big plays too. But um, every so often, you know, Donovan Smith gets exposed. You know, and he gets on these hot streaks, and he looks good, and then he looks off. I'm, I'm going to try and reserve reserve my uh, opinion of him and just chalk this up to his, the, the entire team loss, but you cannot have those type of games. And, again, we we know it has so much to do with Ollie Marpet, and we know Donovan Smith can only be so good. Hey, what? Uh, any other really quick um, observations from around the league, the standouts, what, what uh, caught your eye this week? Um, I'm, I wish the Bucks had won this game because it, it would have shown that they were the number one team. Yeah. Seattle Seahawks are not a Super Bowl contender. They cannot compete with a team that can throw on them. And Buffalo is not a team that we consider to be, you know, they have a lot of weapons, but we don't consider them to be a high-powered offense, um, especially over the last few weeks. And and that was Josh Allen's get-right game. They barely ran the ball. They didn't have to run the ball um, against that team. And the Seattle is just, they're, they're not up to par uh, defensively, and I don't think they can do the same. And then with, with Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh has just continuously lived up to, to the level of their competition. And I do not think that they are the number one seed. I think this is single-handedly Casey's league, Casey's division, um, and their Casey's conference and division, and they're going to run away with this. Um, we'll see what the, what happens in the next couple of weeks when both the Saints and the Bucks have to play the Chiefs, yeah. um, as yeah. to where the the entire league stands from a from a talent and a standing standpoint. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, all right, Jack, how can folks get the great Blitzalytics content? Uh, they can go to blitzlytics.com, and then they can get our prospect encyclopedia at blitzlytics.com forward slash shop, target.com, Barnes & Noble, and Amazon. All right, partner, thanks a bunch. We'll talk next week. Have a good one. All right, uh, coming up in the 4 o'clock hour, Bob Herrig, senior writer, ESPN Golf, will join us live from Augusta. It's Masters Week, and boy, do I need a Masters Week right now. Definitely. All right, stay with us. Quick break. Back in a moment. The Big Eight. 820 WWBA. It's time to get your 
Nothing but pure sports here. Now, back to the show with JP on Fans Dream Sports. All right, welcome back. Hey, don't forget, we'll be down at the Oak and Stone in Bradenton, uh, the one downtown on the river with the rooftop lounge. It's a beautiful, beautiful restaurant. We'll be there on Friday. Wear your gear, get free beer, just like this past weekend. Um, That's at the Clark Road location in Sarasota. But uh, come on by and join us. We'll be there 3 to 6 on Friday. Say hello, sit down, talk some sports, have uh, a crack at the beer wall. Have some great artisan pizza, some mac and cheese, all the great food at Oak and Stone. It's fantastic. So come on, uh, join us on a great. Might be rain a little bit though. I don't think we're gonna have rain all week, which uh, kind of sucks because that dead gum Ada is out there. Hopefully it'll just blow away. All right, seven two seven five one eight zero eight twenty is the number if you'd like to join us. Our good friend Dev Daddy is up next. Big Bucks fan. Rough weekend, brother. <laughs> a joke of a weekend. Florida State decides they forgot how to play football. They've been doing that all year. Awful. And uh, awful. The Buccaneers. Good God, JP. I've been to a lot of Bucks games in my entire life. The Josh Freeman era, the Byron Leftwich as a quarterback era, the Josh McCown era. Name them all. And I've ever seen in person and Raymond James. Hands down. It is brutal. I've never seen anything like it. Um, I, I just don't understand how you can't be aggressive towards that that Saints offense and man them up. We got man corners. Why are we playing zone and just thinking that we're gonna we're gonna get home with four? It's not gonna happen. Brutal. I don't I understand mean, it. I, I, I just sat there like stupefied. I'm like, what are we doing? And no pressure at all. And he's I mean that's that's true that's a gift for him. It's like taking out Blake Snell again, you know. It's like what, we're making it easy on the on the opposition. What are we What are we doing? I said a thousand well, times. I just I don't understand it, and I've well, said it all year. We go as far as Mister Poopy Smith goes. So he has a every good game he's had. We've played great as a team. Every bad game he, he's had, they have been terrible games. Who's Who's we poop, go as far as Who's Poopy, Poopy Smith? Smith? Donovan Smith. Oh, that guy. Oh, Poopy Smith. That's his, that's his name until he decides to play good, and then he can earn the title back of Donovan Smith. But well, until I, then, I, he's Poopy Smith. I know Ali Marpet's his best friend, and I know they, you know, that they're they can be a good tandem at times. But man, with Ali out, it was like Donovan, would, you know, lost his binky or something. You know, he's just he was terrible, and uh, I mean to get dominated by what is it, Hendrickson? I mean, the guy's a low round draft pick and. Come on, man. You got to be better than that. Listen, I talked to an NFL player. I'm not going to say his name, but he's represented in the same agency as Donovan Smith. And he said, I'm embarrassed that Donovan Smith is even part of this agency. <laughs> wow. That, that, that. Like, like, you don't even, you don't even want to go to the Christmas party. That's bad. Yeah. That's bad. Now, so, I, I mean, what do you, what do you think it. about my um, – my assertion that uh, it's not coincidence that these last two games our team has been flat since since the signing of AB. And again, I, this is not a AB thing. This is on the organization. I think it's I think it's messed up our our mojo. What do you think? I think it's a possibility. I'm not ready to say it's 100 percent that, but it's something that I'm I'm keeping my eye on. I mean, two weeks in a row, we're coming out flat, looking like we 
don't know where football is. But I mean, so, like la- last night, where were the wide receiver screens? Where where were the screens? Where was I mean, there was just zero creativity to the game plan? You know, where where were the the, the over routes? Where's the cross? Where? I mean, it was just it was just it looked and we looked slow and plotting on offense, didn't we? The, absolutely. Where Saint the Saints look crisp and quick. We were just like, okay, seven step drop. Here we go. Let's look around. Is this guy open? He's not. Oh, let's let's toss it to this guy who's covered. I mean, it was just there was no. It, it, you didn't see any bootlegs. You didn't. It, it was just awful. Absolutely. Um, I think the biggest turning point though was when they were driving. And JPP had that could have had that interception and maybe taken it back to the house. But I think after that, we just completely got out of our game plan, if there even was a good one. It was, um, and it just just threw us out yeah. of the loop. You know, if if JPP takes that back, yeah, it gives you a little bit of momentum. But you know, I, I still still think we would have lost by twenty one. They had a better game plan. They were more fired up. They were more physical. We were just uh, we were flat. We were and and the game plan looked terrible. And you know what? How do you run the ball five times in the game? I mean, that's just doesn't make sense. Makes zero sense. I mean, we had, Rojo had three straight one hundred yard games, and then you know we dropped the ball. I get it, but the running game was rolling, and now the last few weeks it's been non-existent again. And I know you got uh, got down by a, a bunch, but in the first four possessions. Before you were down twenty-eight nothing, I think they ran the ball twice. I ain't gonna get it. It's terrible. Yeah, I think we need Vita Vea back. Yeah, well that ain't happening. Vita Vea ain't walking through that door, partner. Sorry. All right, man. Appreciate the call. Alrighty. Uh, maybe next Have week a good we'll get one. him. I'm worried about the Panthers now. The Panthers looked so good much. yesterday. They looked very good. We better get it together. Uh, sure. Oh, we sitting at six and four. All right, partner. All right. See you at Bradenton Friday. Who's up next? Jim from Tampa. Jim. Hello, Jim. Hey, JP. You know, to me, this was Brady's, uh, you know, I, I, you know, what about that deep bomb to Gronk? And he was, it looked like he was running and, and his shoes were like buckets. It was, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, and, and he dove valiantly for the ball, but Gronk is, I could beat him in a race. He's, he's slow, slow, bro. He's so and, slow. And, I mean, he's and, faster than he was in the beginning of the year, but. You know, that was a bit of a broken play, and he tried to get him deep, but um, an A.B. was yeah, in the area. What but, about what happened uh, to Cam Braid? Where's Cam Braid? He's got hands, great hands at the goal line. And I just think Brady's uh, trying to dictate. I, I just think that, you know, the, all those – where was Brady's what, what I thought, and I was a Jameis fan, and I didn't like what happened, but I, I recognized why they're 6-2. and two. Well, Brady is not going to throw to somebody covered. And that's why I thought Evans wasn't getting the ball. He would throw to the backs a lot. Well, we have two backs, and every time they catch the ball now, they can't break a tackle. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yards. Did we break a tackle last night at all at any point? But but even the short – but we had the short passing game. And you'd think that with the, with the uh, Ali Marpet not being there, that they would have been in that short passing game because yeah. Brady seems comfortable with it. But all he was doing was throwing deep passes. And when he's out there – on a seven-step drop, he's going to get sacked, and that's why I just I just thought that uh, uh, Peyton totally outcoached Arians yeah. offensively and defensively. You know, anyway, thanks, to- JP. Totally agree, hundred percent. I mean, it seemed like everything was a seven-step drop last night, and you can't protect a seven-step drop without Ali Marpet clearly. And guy, and you know, I'm, I'm 
concerned about guys getting open downfield. I didn't see a whole lot of separation, not from Gronk, not from Godwin. And I got to go back and look at the All-22 tonight and uh, and look at exactly when Mike Evans was open and and why Brady isn't hitting him. I mean, that's an issue. No doubt that is an issue, 100%. All right, speaking of Brady, let's listen in on his press conference last night. Um, I think it was just interesting kind of like what he's not saying and listening to how he's answering the questions in, in just generic terms and and some of them are very pointed questions. So you got to kind of read between the lines here. Hey, Tom, you, you've been so good with the football. I think 200 attempts without an interception, but the Saints have gotten you five times in two games. Uh, is it the pressure they've been able to put on you uh, back there that's caused some of that? Uh, you know, speaking for tonight, one was a tipped on a screen pass. You hate to have those happen, but guy made a good play. And then fourth down was kind of threw it up in the air. So, um, you know, the other one I definitely, uh, you know, was just saw something and kind of predetermined what I thought was going to happen and made a, made a bad play. So I certainly have to play a lot better. And uh, turning the ball over against a good team never helps. Uh, you know, we just uh, didn't play the way we're capable of playing. Everyone's got to do a lot better, and it starts with me. And uh, get back to work tomorrow morning and try to, try to uh, make it a better week. This Next question on, on Brady. Big time. Tom, to have this loss be as lopsided and as dominating as it was tonight, what can you do to get the confidence back for this team in short order with Carolina up next? Well, I think it's about playing better and execution, and you know we all have to do our job a lot better. So when you play good teams, there's little margin of error. They've been a great team for a long time. They've got a lot of good players, and um, you know if we're going to beat them, we've got to play a lot better than we played tonight. That's for damn sure. Hey, Tom, throughout your career, you've had a ton of success in primetime games. What is it about this team you think, I don't know if you can put your finger on it, as to why in, in three primetime contests you guys just haven't performed at, at the level that you have in, in some of your other contests? Yeah, we need to perform better, you know, at every time. One o'clock, four o'clock, eight o'clock, Monday night, Sunday night. It doesn't matter, you know, they're going to schedule the game and we're going to go out there and play. I don't think it's anything magical that's happening um you know as players you know we got to prepare harder we got to execute better um you know there's no excuses for what it is it's a it's a it's a it's a poor performance by you know a team that's um got a lot ahead of it so hopefully we can learn from it come back to uh, work this week with a lot more urgency um execute a lot better and try to go out and beat a beat a good football team uh, next, we'll go to John Arano. Sitting around all day. Tom, you've been on a lot of great teams in the past. Do great teams ever have performances this poor? You know, I, you definitely, you, you, you know, when things don't go your way, you know, sometimes they just they keep going that way, and you got to figure out how to stop it and then turn it around. And we had our opportunities, and we just didn't do it. So we got to learn from it, and, um, you know, hopefully we can learn from it and be better next week. So it's not about predicting the future. You know, I'm not here to say this is what we're going to do based on losing a game. We're, we're going to get back to work and try to do a lot better next week. And we got to win one game. And, you know, we're 6-3. and three. You know, I wish we were a lot better than that. But this is where, this is where we're at. And we got to go on the road and beat a good football team. We have time for a couple more. We'll go to Sarah Walsh. 
Um, I know Bruce has talked about several times wanting a faster start, and obviously that didn't happen against Knight. Is there anything you can pinpoint to why it, it seemed difficult to get these sort of jumps that you guys want to get to kickstart these games? Just got to execute better. We got to figure it out. You know, I, those are all good questions. I just I wish I had the precise answer for you because we'd be doing it. And uh, there's no magic play. There's no magic anything. You should go and do your job much, much higher at a much higher level. Last question will come from Greg Allman. Sorry, Tom, was there anything you saw in practice this week that would suggest this is the kind of game you might have? Did it seem like a normal week in, in getting ready for this? No, we just we didn't play well in any phase of the game, and and we got to start better on offense and help our defense out. That's that's how I see it. So, All right, appreciate you. it, guys. Thank there you. you. Go. Um, you know, one thing that didn't happen in practice this week, Chris Goblin. He didn't practice until Friday. Um, Evans practiced all week long. Uh, AB practiced, but again, you got to have a lot of your guys to make sure you you know the game plan is as tight as it can be. But he, he you know, look, we see guys practice on Friday. And, all the time, and go out there and play good. It was a crap game plan on both sides of the ball. And um, and to me, slow starts are a lot about how good your coaching staff is during the week. Because you should be able to come up with five or six. I mean, most of these first 20 plays, 15 to 20 plays are scripted. And they have to be taking advantage of a certain weakness and expecting to get a certain look and you exploit that look. And early in the season, the Bucks were doing that really well. Remember, they were just driving right down the field. But the last few weeks, we haven't seen it. And it just seems like this is an offense now that's trying to rediscover an identity. Is that because they're trying to work A, B, N? I don't know. Is it because a lot, some guys aren't buying in anymore? I don't know. But Leftwich called a very poor game last week. And, and again, Bruce Arians has to take full responsibility for this. He gave the play calling duties to Leftwich. And he has a lot of input into what plays are called. Don't think he doesn't. He certainly does. But um, you know, it was it was a weak, weak game plan for the Bucks. Didn't like it one bit. And that's before they got behind 21 nothing. All right, uh, we'll take another break. We'll come back on the other side. 4.30, Bob Herrick's going to join us. When we come back, we're going to get to some of the other NFL games of the week. Uh, some very, very interesting performances. I think the best one by the Buffalo Bills, and they proved that Seattle is not, is not a contender with that defense. Next. Thank God you are back. Now, back to the show. More sports with J.P. All right, welcome back. Hey, the good folks at Italiano Insurance want to remind you, make sure you got flood insurance. We are going to get pounded with rain this week. Oh, my God. From Tropical Storm Ada. It's going to get ugly. So uh, make sure you got that flood insurance, folks. 813-877-7799. Depending on where you are, it's a uh, it may not cost you a whole lot of money, but you got to have it. You do not want to be that guy caught when your house floods and you don't have flood insurance. Explain that to your wife. Well, honey, we did have homeowner's insurance, but uh, fortunately, uh, it's a flood. Yeah, you don't want to go through that. 813-877-7799 is the number. Great customer service. They've been in business for over 60 years. So give the good folks at Italiano Insurance a call. 813-877-7799. All right, let's get into uh, some of the other NFL games of yesterday. 
And a uh, nice breakout performance by Tua Tungavailoa. As the uh, Miami Dolphins uh, hooked up with the Cardinals. And I tell you what, this was uh, a phenomenal game on so many levels because it showed you two of the, the greatest quarterbacks of the uh, coming 10 to 15 years in this league. Everybody was really worried about Tua after week one, huh? Uh, I think he's going to be okay. 20 of 28, 248 yards, two touchdowns, a QBR of 87.6, including this little ditty to tie the game. Looking in zone, he's got a man. Gasicki is in for the touchdown. What a drive by Tua and the Dolphins. It was actually Hollins that got the touchdown, wasn't it? Yeah, he just had the name wrong. It was Mac Hollins. Yeah, but um, boy, what a performance by Tua. He looks really, really good. And I think you know why now that Fitz is the backup quarterback. Um, and Tua will have some bad games, but you got to get him going. The Dolphins win 34-31 over the Cardinals. Cardinals now 5-3. and three. Dolphins now 5-3. and three. Uh, but two teams that are very, very much on the rise. Kyler Murray had a pretty good day as well. Um, he's just as talented a quarterback. And boy, thank God he's my fantasy football quarterback. He scored 42 points for me this weekend. Josh Allen got me 42 yesterday. <laughs> Kyler Murray, 11 carries, 106 yards, a touchdown on the ground. 21 of 26, 283 and three touchdowns. QBR of 96.7 against a Dolphins defense. That it was the best scoring defense in football. Mm-hmm. And I ain't going to lie. Watching these guys play and then watching Brady, he looks like he's stuck in mud. I know what he does, but when it goes bad like yesterday, it looks ugly. It really, really does. But he'll be back. Don't worry. Don't worry, Bucks fan. All right, speaking of Josh Allen, 44-34 was the final as the Bills trounce Seattle. The game really wasn't that close. And... Um, Boy, your boy was uh, was pretty damn good yesterday. 414 yards passing. Time for Josh Allen. Wide open. It's a touchdown, Buffalo Bills. Isaiah McKenzie hauls it in, and he's dancing. Sounds like the great Chris Myers, friend of the show. Beautiful catch right there. And uh, four turnovers for Russ yesterday. I said this last week. Seattle is not a contender when you have a defense that is that bad. Of course, the Bucks kind of looked that bad yesterday, but at least that Bucks have had a track record of being good <laughs> in some games. Uh, Seattle's defense is not, and I, I think uh, despite their what six and two record, Seattle, mm-hmm. um, I'm not scared of them. I, I ain't scared of them. Yeah, Josh Allen, four hundred fifteen yards and four total touchdowns yesterday. How many points did he get? Forty-two. Dang, <laughs> that ain't so bad. Um, and how about this game yesterday? The Dallas Cowboys go up 13-0 on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Knock Big Ben around. He's limping around, pointing at his knee, and then he comes back and has a hell of a comeback. He now leads the NFL all-time with 10 comebacks down double digits in the fourth quarter. Best ever. Here was the game-winning touchdown. Point where you let him score for Dallas. Small three, you're trying to protect it. Make him kick a field goal. Ebron hurdles home for the touchdown. Point Eric Ebron jumped over him. He did. He did. Um, let me just say this. Big Ben is just, he's so good in the clutch. He's, he's doing so Big good. Ben type things. And, you you know, you just watch that Pittsburgh offense, and they got great weapons just like the Bucs do, but they look so much faster. Boy, the Bucs just looked so slow yesterday. I don't know. Maybe even uh, Evans and, and Godwin are slowing down. Who knows? But didn't look didn't look great. But Pittsburgh did, and they're now uh, undefeated 8-0 on the season. 
their defense can give up the booty on the ground. There's no no doubt about that. But they got playmakers on the back end. Um, and the Cowboys, uh, Gilbert, their quarterback, looked pretty damn good. Tell you what, though, at the end of the game, Mike Tomlin is at the 15-yard line with a five-point lead. And he goes for it on fourth and one. And they get stuffed. And, and I'm like, what are you doing, man? you got to kick the field goal there. You go up eight points, you can't lose in regulation. You cannot lose. And if not for Gilbert missing a wide-open guy in the back of the end zone, he threw it short, and the guy was wide open on the back end line, he throws it out of the guy, Dallas Dallas wins the game. Dallas wins the freaking game over to Pittsburgh that was a 15-and-a-half-point favorite. That's um, that, Mike Tomlin. What are you doing there, brother? Yeah, I've always, That's a bad call. I've always questioned some of his calls sometimes. I mean, I know you're all about, look, if we're a team we think we are, we can get a yard against these freaking Cowboys. And, you know, we, I get all that. But that's just a stupid-ass call. And I love Mike T to death, and I think he'd probably tell, tell you the same thing right now. <laughs> but uh, the Steelers look good, and they're the odds-on favorite. I, you know, I don't I, – I, I still think the Kansas City Chiefs may be the best team. Um, but without uh, Chris Jones in the middle, they're not. They're they're kind of like us without Vita Vea. They're very gettable, very very gettable. It's hard to believe one guy can make a difference like that. But when you're a, a wrecker up front, you can. Especially the other team they played yesterday. Who doesn't show their record? Doesn't show how good they are. The Panthers, man. The Panthers, Panthers look really good. I tell you what, Matt Rule's a good football coach. And tell you what, Bruce Arians, you better be on your toes this week. You might get out coached again. Your staff, not pretty. And CMC, though, has got a shoulder injury. So he's uh, he's day-to-day. We'll see if he plays this week. All right, uh, that's our NFL wrap-up. Uh, brought to you by the good folks at Oak and Stone. We'll be there in Bradenton on Friday for a live broadcast. And you can get uh, a free beer at the Clark Road location in Sarasota at Oak and Stone if you wear your gear for beer. And, of course, every Sunday and, and uh, Saturday, they have all the games on. They have the NFL Sunday tickets. So a great place to watch the NFL Oak and Stone there's a downtown St. Pete location and a bunch down there in the Sarasota Bradenton area. We'll be at the Bradenton rooftop location on the on the river on Friday from three to six. All right, quick break. When we come back, we'll go live to Augusta. Bob Herrig is hanging out, hanging out. Uh, tells me the place looks really, really different without bleachers and patrons there in Augusta. We'll chat with him live from the most beautiful place on earth. Next. That's enough. Let's get back to the show. Now, more sports with JP. All right, welcome back. Let's go to the uh, most beautiful place on earth. My bucket list. Number one, it's Augusta and our good friend Bob Herrick, senior writer, ESPN Golf. What's up, partner? How are you? Hey, man. How's it going? Good to talk to you. I'm just jealous of you. Uh, being up there in that beautiful place. And and you, you tell me it looks different than you've ever seen it, right? No bleachers, no patrons. Well, what's it like? Yeah, I mean, especially on a Monday when these, you know, the, these Monday, the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of Masters week is practice with an insane number of people on the ground. Yeah. Uh, you know, lines like you wouldn't believe for concessions, restrooms, the merchandise. You know, none of that's a factor. You know, they're it's they're not open. You know, there's no there's there's you know there there aren't going to be more than 
you know, seven, seven, 800 people on the ground max at any one time. And it would probably be unlikely that that many would be at the same time. So, uh, you know, there's no ropes, which is odd. I mean, like on a day like today, if I were to go walk out there with, with 40,000 people out there, you know, I probably wouldn't be able to get within five, eight yards of the fairway, say on 10. Yeah. Well, today they don't even have the, the, the ropes up. They have these like lines, painted lines that are, you know, kind of down the what what the rope line was, and you're supposed to stay outside of that. It's like basically right up to the fairway. It's it's just uh, it's just odd, you know. There's some there's some volunteers and and marshals out there because that's what they do, and those guys are just happy to see you come walking by because they got nobody to talk to. <laughs> so it's uh, yeah, it's I mean, it's going to look great on TV. I think I think you're going to see things that you're not used to seeing. There might be camera angles that are now available because they're not blocked by spectators. Yeah, uh, you know, but I mean, I think the event is going to feel less without the noise, and uh, you know, we've been learning to deal with that in all sports. Yeah, uh, but yeah. Um, even a little bit of noise is, is so much better than none. And uh, like you know, like we saw at the Houston Open last week, they had a few fans. We're seeing it at some football games now. You know, there's it, it's 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 better than nothing. This is going to be nothing, and I think it's going to be weird. And, and Bob, you know, the roars at Augusta have always been part of the play, almost, um, especially on the back nine on Sunday. And it, it's almost uh, like a harbinger to other players of what's going on around the golf course. Like, oh, you know, Tiger would know. Oh, that that was a that was a birdie roar. That was an eagle roar from thirteen. And you'd almost know what's going on. And I know that they'll have they'll have the uh, the boards up for the players. But you know, that's part of it. It's it's gonna. And how do the players handle this this situation? And some guys get pumped up by the crowds. Some guys take can take advantage of less pressure in this in this moment, right? No doubt. I think a guy like Tiger, Rory, Phil, um, they, they are hurt by no crowd. Mm-hmm. They're used to it. They, um, they feed off of it. Um, let's, come on, last year, can you imagine Tiger in 2019, oh. no fans? I'm not sure he wins. No. no how, how, much so. of a, how much of an impact did that have when those guys hit the ball in the water on 12? Huge. I mean, you know, I mean they, weren't, they weren't like crazy cheering. But the noise was such that you knew something bad had happened to somebody else, and he, uh, you know, he he fed off that. You think he didn't? You think it wasn't huge when he knocked it stiff on sixteen, and the place was going wild. That affects the guys playing the tee shots on seventeen. Yep. You know, and so that isn't going to be the case. You know, and I, and I don't think it's any coincidence at all that a guy like uh, uh, Colin uh, Morikawa. He's a great player. I don't want to take anything away from him, but you know he he won the PJ Championship, his second major ever. Well, he didn't have to go through that. You know, he didn't have to yep. deal with the noise, and it was very tight. A lot of guys in contention. You know, might have helped Bryson at the U.S. Open too, to some degree. So, uh, I mean, there's other factors too, like the the rough won't be trampled down as much. That's a good point. So that that's yeah. a you know I think that's a possible negative. There's places where you're not going to get a good bounce from the crowd. It's going to just hit and keep going, you know. So um, usually, you know, you miss a green and it's in the crowd and it probably stops. It hits somebody, it drops right down. Yeah. You know, now it's going to hit if it, if you miss the green by five yards instead of being in the crowd, it hits and bounces and maybe runs ten more yards away. So 
all of those things, you know, now it also no, no, um, uh, you know, there's no grandstand. Right, and and right. although at Augusta, they're not as big, they're not as in play as they are at some tournaments. Like the eighth hole is one where, you know, a guy might try to go for that green and two. And if he's thinking I'm in between clubs, he might say, I'm going to take more. And if I'm long, it's just going to hit off that grandstand That's in right. the back. That's great. Another great point. So, yeah. you know, it's all of those things. It's going to be interesting. It still looks great. It's the same. You know, it's to the to your eye, it's going to look exactly the same. It's lush. It's green. Might play a little different. There's more Bermuda grass than there would be in in, uh, in April because it's been warm, and and they haven't had the winter to completely die that off. You know, so for these skilled players, where they you know these intricacies matter. Yeah. You know, that's something that's that's going to be a factor. It'll be interesting to see what they say about it. Bob Herrick joining us live from Augusta, uh, ESPN senior golf writer. All right, let's address the literal elephant in the room, and that would be Bryson DeChambeau. Um, I was reading an article the other day talking about the the irons that he's hitting into the par fives, like a a seven iron at number eight. Um, I may be getting these wrong, like a a nine iron at at number 15. I mean, just ridiculous length off the tee. It reminds me of – Tiger in 2000, and, and for many years, is making Augusta basically a par 68 for him. And that's what it's going to be for Bryson DeChambeau. Maybe he can drive number, was it number three? Uh, wh- what are you thinking? What, what are you hearing? Yeah, I mean, Bryson can get to number three without a driver. You know, <laughs> he, that, that hole's like 350. So, um, yeah, he played with Tiger, Fred Couples, and... Uh, uh, Justin Thomas today, they played the back nine and he drove about 20 yards, 30 yards past higher on 11. He had like a wedge in, um, <laughs> you know, an 11 is a 505 yard par five. It was lengthened because back in the early two thousands, Tiger was hitting wedge in. Yeah. And now it's a hard hole where you're hitting six irons a lot and seven. And, you know, uh, so, there's no question he is going to hit it extraordinary lengths and have a lot of short irons in. But, you know, there's still a lot more shots to be played after that, and these greens make you be very precise. You've got to hit it in the right spots. Uh, if you miss them, you better be able to chip, and you still got to make the putts. Yep. So while I think he has a huge advantage, and I, as you said, par 68 sounds about right, you know, probably, you know, four birdies a day on the par five. Yeah. You know, that gives, that's, that's a great advantage. But, you know, you still got to hit the shots on the, the approach shots. You're going to miss some greens. It happens even with wedges. Um, and you got to make four and five footers sometimes. So, uh, you know, I, I certainly am not giving him the green jacket right now. But, uh, mm-hmm. but what he's done, you know, has, has made it very interesting as to how he's going to how, how he will, you know, attack it and, and, and when he can attack and, and how much he can take advantage. You, you mentioned in, uh, in the piece you wrote about the changes at Augusta that there um, are five trees that have been added over the bunkers on 18. That visually is going to be very stunning, I think, to many of us. Um, but it does not allow guys like DeChambeau to, to hit it where uh, – I think Woozy hit it over there one time, didn't he? When he won, yeah. uh, way over the top of the bunkers, he was out in the practice area, wherever the hell it was, and and made par to, uh, to win there. Can't do that anymore. 
It's a lot harder to do that. I mean, back in the day, Nicholas used to do that, and yeah. then they moved the bunkers, and then Tiger did it, and they and they've moved the bunkers, you know. And and uh, for a lot of guys, they they don't even think about it. They 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 try to curve it up into the fairway. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you know for Bryson. I think he's just going to blast it up the right side, and if he hits it high enough, he'll be he'll miss those trees also. So I don't even know that he needs to worry about trying to hit it over those bunkers, you know. Um, and 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 you know that was a smart move on Augusta's part. I mean, that part of the course over there was never really meant for anybody to hit the ball there, right? You know, the bunkers are supposed to keep you from if you miss the fairway. The only other place to hit it is in the fairway. You're not going to hit it over the bunkers, but of course, he can. You know, so it's an uphill shot. It's not easy, and Mm-mm. you know, and you have to curve it. And you know, last year, Tiger peeled that one off on 18. You know, he kind of lost it to the right. Yeah, it's not an easy tee shot. You know, so um, it's just it's crazy. It's going to be fascinating to watch. He's a huge story. I, I uh, and and you know, it's funny. There's all this talk about equipment and. And, you know, what do we need? To, should we rein back equipment? Should we rein back? They're all, you know, they're viable arguments. People are wondering what to do. But the fact of the matter is that the equipment is not different than what he used last year in terms of technology-wise. He's hitting it farther with the, with the basic technological things he had a year ago. He's hitting it farther because he's gotten a lot stronger and bigger. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, so, I mean, sure, yeah, the ball, golf ball goes crazy lengths when you match up um, the right shaft and loft and swing speed. But he's added swing speed, you know, he's mm-hmm. added. And so it's, you know, he, he, has, uh, he has shown what you can do with more, with more power. And, uh, you know, good for him. What, what are your expectations from Tiger? If, if if anything at all. I mean, I guess he's always going to contend there, but he really has played so little, did not play well at the Zozo. Well, what do you expect? Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard to expect much. Um, I certainly uh, I certainly think that you you risk you risk uh, uh, you know, you, you it, you're at your own peril when you when you doubt him or when you say yeah. he can't do something. <laughs> Um, this place brings out the best in him. If anything's an equalizer, it's Augusta. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's got more leeway off the tee. He's still a premier iron player, second shot player, which helps him a lot. His short game is very solid. His putting has been very mediocre. Needs to putt way better. Needs to give himself more chances. You know, 10, 12, 15 footers. He's not been doing that at other golf courses, but of course, of those other golf courses, um, you know, he, uh, he, there's less room for error off the tee. Right. Uh, here, there is more room for error. And, you know, so maybe he takes that, you know, get, he can take advantage of that. And, you know, I watched him today. He looked pretty good. But I watched him at the Zozo three weeks ago on the Tuesday, and, on Tuesday, uh, and there was three par fives in the back nine. And he played them four under, two birdies and an eagle. Wow. When he played in the tournament, he played them in four over, <laughs> two, two bogeys and a double. So, I mean, I think there's a little bit of an issue of him bringing it to the course, yeah. which sounds crazy. Wow. But when you've, not, when you've not competed, competed so little this year, 
Uh, you know, I just even Tiger. I think it catches up with them. You know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that wasn't as much of an issue. He could turn a switch, but not so much the case now. So, uh, look, he was up here yesterday. He came up here last uh, week ago, last weekend. You know, he's putting in the time. It's good to see. I don't expect any physical problems right now. The weather's not going to be cold. That mm-hmm. all that all those That's are good, good factors. Yeah, yeah it, you know, obviously there's a good good chance of rain, but what he doesn't want is it to be in the 40s and 50s. Yeah, we're not going to have that. So I mean, those things, you know, all kind of bode well for him. Uh, Needs to get off to a good start. He just puts himself so far behind every yeah. one of these tournaments, and uh, you know, you, you hang in there and you shoot 69 the first day. Sure makes it a lot better the second day, not having to try to make up all that ground. Yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, Bob Herrick joining us here. Um, before I let you go, you want to give me a pick and, and maybe a dark horse pick? Well, I think my pick is JT Justin Thomas. Okay, and, you know, not going out real far out on a limb. Um, you know, he's highly ranked in the world. Absolutely, still. he's gotten better and better at Augusta. He's not really contended. Last year, he tied for twelfth, which was his best. He's got to putt better. His putting sort of held him back. You know, a couple of weeks ago at the Zozo, he probably should have won that tournament. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and and you know that that gets lights of fire under him when 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 he lets one get away. So mm-hmm. I have a feeling he's highly motivated. Um, you know, as a dark, I, I don't know if I would consider Webb Simpson a dark horse, but I just like him for some reason. Yeah. yeah. yeah he's playing really well this year. Very solid. He finally contended at the Masters last year for the first time. He finished fifth. He only was two shots back. People forget all about him. Yeah, that's right. You know, because yeah. of all that happened, you know. But he was two back, you know. And as the first, you know, I think getting in the mix, he played in the group in front of Tiger. He did not hit the ball in the water at 12. Saw all that going on around him. I think that's a good sign for him. All right. We shall see. It starts up on Thursday. Um, it's going to be a, a Masters unlike any other as uh, Jim Nance might say, and I, and I cannot wait. Bob, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. Uh, and tell Mr. Ridley I said hello. Anytime, man. Good chat with All you. Right. I appreciate thanks, it. Thank appreciate you. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Uh, yeah, that's uh, the great Fred Ridley, who was a member of Palmasia here in Tampa and is the Augusta national chairman. Um, good man. Good man. Does a lot for the first tee of Tampa here, as does Gary Koch, who will join us tomorrow to talk a little golf at 4 o'clock. So we will be all over the Masters. You know that. It is my favorite uh, sporting event in the world, and I cannot wait to see it. Although I will say, just like everything else, it's going to be very interesting to see it without fans, but I ain't going to like it. I mean, their fans are as big a part of Augusta and the Masters as the the 12th hole. You know, it just it's just not going to be the same, and it's not going to be nearly as fun. I mean, you imagine Tiger winning last year, and it's like, you know, Tiger won. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of the freaking roar, <laughs> you yeah. know, that's just the buzz that the crowd creates. The I'm sorry, the patrons create at the Masters. It's it's just just like the green greens at Augusta. It's that important. So we'll see how it plays out. All right, we'll do a quick break here. Come back on the other side. We're going to talk a little college football. Some big upsets this weekend. And the Gators take control of the SEC East. But how long will they be without their main man, Kyle Pitts, who got his block knocked off? We'll talk about that when we come back.
uncut and unfiltered. More sports now with J.P. Peterson. Presented by FanStream Sports. Download the app today. Well, it was a wild weekend in college football, no doubt at all. And it's getting even more bizarre as the uh, as the week continues. A um, lot of interesting news today. Mississippi State and Auburn has been postponed this week because of multiple COVID positive tests for the Bulldogs, Mississippi State. Bama LSU is in peril because LSU has had a COVID outbreak. I thought they got that over with in the summertime. I guess not. I guess not. Came back. Um, The hypocrisy is unreal report, um, and there's so much we could go to. President John Jenkins, who (laughs) did not wear a mask at the infamous White House Rose Garden ceremony where President Donald Trump introduced Amy Coney Barrett and tested positive uh, days after attending that, is now making it mandatory for all the students— to take a test. All the students that rushed the field and, and basically all the students on campus because he said there were many inappropriate gatherings on campus after the big win over Clemson, 47-40, a double overtime the other night. <laughs> so, so now he's making it mandatory for the students to take a test before they leave and go home for winter break. <laughs> As if they did not know this was going to happen eventually. I, I retweeted this out. What uh, Somebody... Um, Posted this picture of the great celebrations that were going on in Washington D.C. this this weekend. Uh, no social distancing, not a whole lot of masks, and we're like, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. And then later on, posted a picture of the Notre Dame celebration and say, this is wholly irresponsible and dangerous. Why are these students allowed to do this? <laughs> it's like, dude, within five hours, you tweeted those two things. The hypocrisy is off the charts. And and it's interesting that it, uh, the president is making it mandatory to uh, to take the test. They've had uh, thirteen hundred and fifty five positive cases since the start of the fall semester at Notre Dame, um, but no hospitalizations. Shocking. But yet this is now a priority for them to be tested before they go home for winter break. Wouldn't you want to test them like before they came back? Yeah. Like you're not going to be able to register for classes or anything else unless you take a test before you leave. Now, I would be willing to say that since this was outside that and there was a prolonged exposure, I don't know how I don't know how long they were on the field, but I don't think it was more than 10 or 15 minutes and they dispersed everybody. Um I don't think there's going to be a big problem. And again, I don't think a lot of these these people are going to be sick, but again, I'm never saying this is not a real virus, folks. I'm just saying we have to keep it in proportion and not completely freak out. Because I I saw so many reports this weekend about the craziness, uh, you know, that people were losing their mind over what happened in Notre Dame. But, you know, and just not not even talking about the actual football game, which was a huge win for Notre Dame. All right, who we got on the line? Chris from Clearwater. Chris, what's up, brother? Hey, first of all, (laughs) that's what I was going to comment on. So, Mr. Lawrence, he had, uh, you know, he tested positive for COVID-19, so he was in quarantine. Yet he could be on the sideline with all of his teammates, cheering on and hugging on and high-fiving during the whole game, right? Right. Saturday night. Yeah. 
But you know what struck me about him though? Without uniform, I didn't realize how slim he is. Yeah, he's not. He is, yeah, he's, he's thin. He's very thin. That's why he's so fast. My but God. Yeah. My understanding was he has cleared the COVID issues, oh, okay. and now and now he has. Um, they're observing him for the cardio myopathy part portion right. of it. So that's well, why that's why he was held out of the game. And I also think because he didn't he didn't practice at all during the week and would not have been available okay. to practice. He wasn't be able to come off the list and travel until Friday. Okay. So, well, latest news in pro COVID nineteen is that the Pittsburgh Steelers after the game they tested this morning. They have eight, uh, in, 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 uh, how do you say, uninclusive, or they don't know if they're negative or positive yet from that game. In, that played in that game against Dallas yesterday. So inconclusive. Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. They got that. And Izzo, the coach of Michigan State, uh, I guess he, he tested positive today for COVID-19, okay? Yeah. Uh, He'll be fine. Mm, oh, I know that. But uh, I, I hope I don't have to get used to calling you comrade when I call so now. I don't want to do that, okay? Why? I don't want to do that, okay? Why? Comrade, fight the cause, right? Why? Let me let me ask you: the, uh, if Notre Dame supposedly would win the national championship, you think the president-elect Biden would invite them to the White House? What do you think? Who Notre Dame? Yeah. Why? Well, I'm guessing they would. I don't know. Why, why would he not? Why well, he not? the COVID nineteen whole thing, because he's he's talked. I, I I read some of his outlets. Washington Post laid out some of his things he wants to do right away when he gets in office, like mandatory masks. You know that in and outside mandatory. Okay. He wants to cut restaurants back ridiculous. to 25%. Oh, thank you. We know that. He wants to cut restaurants and all businesses back to 25%. Uh, it's done. But now, all right, we got to go, partner. Sorry. Fine, I'm sorry, man. I'm no sorry worries. Too heavy. No worries. That's all right. I know. All right, uh, 5 o'clock right. hour coming up. Bruce Gradkowski is going to join us. He grades every professional pass of the weekend. We'll get his thoughts. Stay with Pure sports. Let's go. Come on. Let's do it. Now more with JP. Turn your radio up. Looking at these uh, PFF grades for the Buccaneers yesterday. Bruce Gradkowski is going to join us at 5.15. He grades every NFL pass, so we'll get his thoughts on the game plan of the Buccaneers and uh, Brady and Breeze. You can jump aboard, 727-518-0820. We're going to hear from um, Bruce Arians here with a very interesting quote from today. Uh, we'll hear from Shaq Barrett and also uh, Bruce Arians from last night on the keys to what cost them the game. Um, I'm just looking at these PFF grades. Who graded out the worst on offense? Rob Gronkowski. A 28.9 grade. That's awful. His run block grade was 44.1. That's awful. His pass game grade was 29.4. That's awful. Wow. Tough game. Uh, maybe Gronk was the one most upset by A.B. A.B. was the third best graded out Buccaneer on offense. Tristan Wirfs was number one with a 79. Tyler Johnson, 74. Brown, 72. Mike Evans, 70. That's uh, considered in the really good category, all those. Ronald Jones, 66%. Uh, where's Brady? Brady graded out at 57.8%, which is not good. Very bad. Donovan Smith was the 15th best grade on the team, or the fifth worst, depending on how you look at it. With a 56, his run blocking grade was 42.5. Pass blocking, 60.4. That's bad. That's going to get your quarterback killed. Godwin was worse uh, His run because of his run blocking grade was just 33.8 because he couldn't block with that busted hand. 
Um, Ryan Jensen was not good. Cameron Brait, not good. Joe Haig, 40.7. Pass blocking, 20.6. Smart, smart game plan by the Saints. Go after the guy starting for Ali Marpet, and they just destroyed him. And that really screwed up the Bucks passing game. That was a huge factor in the game, Ali Marpet being out. So that's good, actually, because hopefully he'll be back next week. He'll be out of concussion protocol. Um, but if this game, this game, folks, was lost on three prongs as far as I'm concerned. And first and foremost, uh, this play in the beginning of the game pretty much spelled out what was going on because third downs will tell you who's got the better game plans, who's who's executing better, who's got a better plan and can and take advantage of your weaknesses, who sees something on film and they're going to save that play for the certain you know down and distance. This is third and ten. With uh, the Saints, I believe, at the Bucks 19 on the first drive. Well, it's third down and 10. Four-man rush. Breeze hangs in the pocket. Throws wide, wide open as he inbounds is the question. Smith for the touchdown. Traquan Smith. So many things going on in that that were harbingers of things to come. First of all, they rush four, get zero pressure. Breeze has time to... Fake pump outside to Alvin Kamara, who motioned out to the right, putting trips on the right. Not an exotic formation, but when he pumped out there to, to Kamara on third and 10. So it's not third and three like you have to react right away and get up there to make the stop. You've got time to get over there and make the tackle. Well, instead, three guys jump that route. Traquan runs right by him to the back of the end zone. It's an easy pitch and catch. Clearly something they saw on film where well, Jamal Dean was out there, Mike Edwards was out there, I'm not, Sean Murphy Bunting was out there. I'm not sure whose man it was, but one of those three guys screwed up. My guess it was Dean. That's just my guess. And busted coverages were a theme of the night on third down. The Saints were 9 of 14. The Bucks were 1 of 9. That's getting your ass out coached, first and foremost. The other big problem was the line of scrimmage, both sides. Offensively, we just talked about Joe Haig and how they were running twists, heavy twists at that left side of our line with Donovan Smith, and those guys couldn't handle it. And they got Brady almost killed, three sacks, nine hits on the night. And I asked Bruce Arians about that uh, after the game last night. Coach, uh, how concerned are you about uh, both lines losing both lines of scrimmage tonight, and how much of that is the loss of Vita Vea and Marpet? Well, obviously Vita's big, but uh, you know it, it was disturbing. Uh, I, I think Joe Haig probably played okay, but the game kind of led its way to no running, and uh, so you're not going to win many games losing the line of scrimmage on both sides. Ain't that the truth? Um, but it just goes to show you how one guy can affect the entire line of scrimmage on both sides. Uh, not to say, not to excuse the play of the other guys. I mean, you're an NFL player. Joe Haig's got to step up and do it. But <clears throat> clearly they were not ready for what the Saints threw at them or couldn't handle it or both. And as far as the defensive game plan goes, you know, I was watching Get Up this morning, Dan Orlovsky, Rex Ryan, everybody just roasting Todd Bowles, and Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich for both of their game plans, especially Bowles, who sat back for the most part uh, of the night into soft zone coverage, rushing four, and just watched Drew Brees start the game 14 of 16 for 145 and three touchdowns and really never adjusted. 
This is my question to Shaq last night. looks like you guys rushed four most of the night. Did you try to make some adjustments after they were having success? Did you, did you get? Did you feel like there were more blitzes coming or you could have blitzed more? What's your thoughts on that? I got to just go back and look at the film. I don't and be remembering all the calls. I got, I'm still I'm upset because of the way we play. I'm just frustrated. But uh, I'm pretty sure Coach Bowles usually have us in the right stuff. I'm pretty sure I don't have nothing to do with what he called. He got faith in the guys out there to get the job done, so it's all on us. I know he always put us in the right situation. He got the best games of uh, any coach I played under. So was, I don't think it was nothing that he did. Well, I don't know about that. You know, players are not going to blame the coach, and nor should they publicly, but that was a very, very bad game plan. No doubt about it. And I think uh, the most telling part about this team right now that, that has me concerned is Tom Brady and the way he's divvying up the targets, who he's looking at, and how much of this lackluster last two ball games has to do with the signing of Antonio Brown which is not to say this is Brown's fault or he's done anything wrong. It's to say that this team was humming until that in the last two games. Um, it was. Uh, it's not the team that we saw earlier. And I'm, I'm not in the locker room, so I don't know how it manifests itself, how, how guys are talking. I just know human nature. And in talking to some former players today, I, you know, I threw that theory out there. How, how does this upset the apple cart when you bring in a guy like A.B.? I mean, does it make the guys like Godwin and Evans and Brait and, and Rojo and the guys that have been here before kind of go, dude, I thought we were doing pretty well. Why do we need to bring A.B. in? And, and does it give your offensive coordinator too many weapons? And it le- that looked like to me an offense last night that was confused of their identity. What do we do? How do we work in A.B.? Should we work him in? Should we not? Whereas before, I thought you saw a much more confident Tom Brady and a confident offense. Now, look, getting pressure will make your whole offense and game plan uh, go to shreds. But you've got to have you've got to have adjustments for that. If you're getting too much pressure on the left side and they're they're bullying Joe Haig and Donovan Smith around, well, you got to give them some help. Got to give them some help. Do do adjustment. That's what coaching's all about. We never saw it last night. At least it didn't it didn't appear to, to work or make be positive adjustments. So to me, this is an issue of this team. And it's not to, to again, I'm not blaming A B. I'm blaming the acquisition of A B. And how, you know, because Brady now, let's just be honest. I mean, Bruce Aarons can say Brady didn't didn't wasn't the one banging the table for Antonio Brown, but it wasn't Mike Evans, I'm sure of that. I don't think it was Chris Godwin. Um I just, you know, and you look at the fact that A.B. has played for Arians, he's played for Leftwich, and the fact that Arians said publicly and privately he did not want A.B. on this team months ago, was emphatic about it, and suddenly changed course. So clearly there's some, you know, there's some discord in this in this organization in terms of should we or should we not, and was it Brady pounding the table for A.B.? And if it was, how does that make Mike Evans feel? How does it make Godwin feel? How does it make... How, how does Leftwich deal with with Brady saying, "Hey, let's get AB involved," and you're you're just you're putting something in the soup here that is the soup was pretty damn good. Why are we adding another very pungent ingredients? Not a good idea. You're messing up the whole daggum thing. So, to me, there's something going on here because this is not the team we saw earlier. And Brady looked really, really pissed off last night, as did a lot of guys. And then there's this from from Bruce Arians today. 
He was Mike asked Evans about Mike Evans. targets combined in the last four games. He had 31 targets in the previous four, two of which he topped 100 yards. I know you don't want to force the ball to Mike. Uh, that got Jameis into trouble last year at some. But with him being the best receiver on this team, why isn't Byron making a more concerted effort of getting Mike involved in the passing game earlier? Mike is Mike was open a bunch in that ball game. He just didn't he didn't get targeted. That's all. He was open. He, Mike was was open. Oh, okay. Well, tongue tied there. Yeah. You want, I wonder why because he hurt himself basically criticizing Brady. So now you have the head coach that didn't really want AB has talked into it by maybe Brady and now Brady looking to get you know AB involved and, and he had five targets last night caught three of them Evans had six targets caught four of them Gronk had six targets caught one of them I mean th- you cannot deny that that offense was disjointed last night it was out of sync and now the head coach is telling me Mike Evans was open all night and Brady didn't throw it to him what the hell's going on here? He must have watched the tape because if you watch the post game from the night before, he said he wasn't blaming Brady at all. Yeah. And now he kind of is, which is fine. If that's what it, you know, I love that Bruce is candid about it. But now if he's telling us that Evans was open and I haven't had a chance to look at the all 22 and you have to look at, you know, how much of that was pressure coming, you know, where, where Brady didn't have time to get it to him. You know, that you can't be open and the quarterback doesn't have time. That's not on the quarterback. Uh, that's on the offensive line or the protection scheme, more appropriately. So, but again, that's if that's the case, then what's Mike Evans saying to himself today? Well, I was getting open all day against Lattimore. And remember, every time people talk about him and Lattimore, they always t- tell him how Lattimore eats his lunch. And now he's thinking, I was open all day and I didn't get the damn ball. Meanwhile, you're throwing the ball to Gronk and A.B., and I'm open. You don't think he'd be pissed about that? I mean, I'm not trying to stir the pot. I'm just looking at what's ha- what's happening out there. Am I wrong? As I said, I talked to a couple former players today, and they said you ain't crazy. I said, I, they don't they don't know because we're not in the in the locker room. None of us know, but they've been in locker rooms and say, yeah, stuff like that happens. Absolutely, it happens. And if Brady is getting this kind of feeling in the locker room that. You know, he's favoring his guys and not the older guys, the the core team. Well, that's not good. And I'm not saying this is a fact, folks. I'm, I'm not saying I know anything of this as a fact. I'm just reading human nature. All right, quick break. When we come back, Bruce Gradkowski will join us from Pro Football Focus. We'll get his take on the Buccaneers game plan last night. Be very interested to hear what he has to say about Brady's performance. Stay with us. Three-minute break. Coming back at you. Let's get back to the show. It's only just begun. More with J.P. Peterson. Powered by FanStream Sports on the Big 8. Well, I've been reading uh, Pro Football Focus, PFF.com, all morning long. Looking forward to chatting with uh, one of their analysts, Bruce Gradkowski, former Buccaneer quarterback, who joins us every Monday after tirelessly grading every throw of the NFL weekend. What's up, Bruce? How are you, buddy? What's good, brother? At this point in the day, 
I'm kind of like, man, what did I even see yesterday and last <laughs> night this morning? <laughs> well, I tell but, you, uh, you may not have recognized good. the guy in the number 12 uniform playing for the Bucks last night. What the What the hell was that? I know, man. I thought I was like Graydon B- Blake Bortles or something. So, <laughs> no, but been. you know, they they could never just get in a rhythm. You know, I mean, you got to give the Saints a lot of credit because Breeze was super efficient last night. I mean, that is Drew Breeze in that offense. And uh, when you're Tampa Bay and you get opportunities and you don't convert on third down, yeah. um, you know, and you give that offense with the, for the Saints good field position, like it was. They're already up twenty-one nothing, and Brady throws, you know, the pick on the tip screen and stuff, yeah. and it's just, you know, it was a tough night to get in a rhythm for Tom Brady in that offense. Hey, Bruce, your your, your phone is crackling really bad. I'm gonna have uh, hang, hang up real quick, and Johnny's gonna call you back. So we'll take like All a right, fifteen cool. second break here, and we'll get a better uh, connection while I read these gradings. So give him a call back there, partner. Um, yeah, on the defensive side from PFF, the lowest graded. Uh, Buccaneer last night was Devin White. Had a really, really, and it's funny because he had a lot of tackles last night. Tackles are not a great uh, indicator of whether you're playing well. Could be an indicator that you're allowing a lot of receptions. Um, so his, he graded out as a total 27 last night. That is awful. Um, uh, Nacho graded out at 40.3. Jamel Dean had a horrible night at 51.4. Carlton Davis 59.6. The corners. Did not have a good night last night. Let's try it again. Bruce, you there? I'm here, bro. Oh, way better. Way better, thank God. <laughs> I was just going over some of the defensive grades, but we'll go back to, to offense. And why why do you think the Bucks were so bad on third down? One for nine. And why were the Saints so good? I think they were nine for fourteen. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you just you try to do too much, yeah. you know, and yeah. I, I mean my thing, like I played with Antonio Brown in Pittsburgh and you know, man, he's a phenomenal player. When you get the ball in his hands, but that's what you have to do: get the ball in his hands, not have him run goal balls, post routes. I, I wouldn't say that his that's his best. You know, he's more he can uh, separate. He's quick. Uh, you know, you can't get your hands on him much. So allow him to run those big in routes. You know, uh, a, a short in a five yard under. You know, get him in the middle of the field working like some jerk route. Just get the ball in his hands, and I feel like. At times last night, when you when you're trying to throw it downfield, push it downfield to him, you know, because he's he's not a big body type guy that's going to go up and moss someone. And you have Mike Evans for that stuff. Right, so, right. you know, those were some of the things. But you know, it's just honestly, I think these things uh, really get magnified when the score is what it is because of how well the Saints were playing and moving the football. So, like each and every opportunity is gold. And, you know, when the Bucks couldn't kind of sustain a drive early on, you know, then everything's magnified. Bruce, I've been talking a little bit about just the chemistry of this team. In the last two weeks, it's it's been their flattest performances. And, you know, that, that that's, happens to coincide with the signing of A.B. And I'm not putting it on him like he's infected the locker room, but I'm, you've been in these locker rooms. And as a quarterback, you know, you've got big egos. You, you know A.B., um, the guys that are already here and Godwin and Evans and Brait and, and Rojo probably feel like they're a pretty good group. And and now A.B. comes in, he gets five targets, and, and like you're saying, maybe not in the way that they should have. Is it is it tough for an offensive coordinator to try and mix in a guy like this that is so 
talented, and when you're already got a, a kind of a good groove going on offense, how does that whole thing work in? And if Brady was the one that got on the table to bring him in, does he feel some responsibility to kind of get him in involved and to prove that it worked, like it was the right idea? How does all that work? Yeah, I mean, you know it's tough because with every team, of course, you're trying to get your playmakers the ball. You're trying to get them involved early, uh, no matter who they are. I mean, even right. if they're not the big-name superstars, you want to get your playmakers involved early early, so you can get some sort of rhythm going, so you can build that confidence, get guys in the flow of the game. Because, you know, we're fortunate playing the quarterback position. We touch the ball every single play, every single snap. So we're involved in the game. I mean, think about being a receiver, splitting out, going in motion, shifting, running full-speed routes as hard as you can, getting the separation. The ball doesn't come to you. Do it again and again and over and over again. So you get frustrated because you want to help your team. So it's, it's tough, man, and it's tough, too, when you have a lot of superstars, right, because you do want to get them involved. It's just you can't, get, you can't spread the ball around that much, especially on a night like last night. I don't think last night's performance is just because, oh, A.B.'s in town, you know, mm-hmm. now the, the Bucks' offense went to crap, you know, because they were trying to do too much. I mean, I think it's a little bit of everything. Yeah. You know, the Bucks trying to maybe do, you know, some things early. Um, but, again, you've got to look at the Saints, how efficient Drew Brees was. I mean, oh. the guy was just, you know, and when you're making plays like that, and Taysom Hill comes in the game, and, like, you just – I mean, it just honestly wasn't Tampa's night. It's snowball. Kinda, yeah. yeah. What did you think about Todd Bowles' game plan of playing a lot of zone and rushing four against Drew Brees? Yeah, I mean, I don't agree with that because Drew Brees is the type, you <laughs> yeah. know, he'll pick you apart. Yeah. You know, just like Tom Brady, you just play zone. Like, that's that's what they enjoy to do. You know, if I'm playing Big Ben, I probably, you know, mix up zone coverages and do that. Um you know, and it's not a shot to anyone. It's just kind of like the nature of how these guys play. You know, I feel like Ben is great versus pressure and blitz. And, yep. you know, he could crush you and gash you. I mean, I think Breeze is the same way. But also, too, with kind of um, Breeze getting to the point physically where we, we see his arm strength dwindling mm-hmm. a little bit. I mean, he still makes all the throws. But why not play press, man? Why right. not blitz him, put some more pressure, make the pocket tighter on him? and have to make those tight throws, tight contested throws with some pressure in his face. Yeah, I think that's that's the thing, and a lot of people are kind of scratching their head. And, and of course, the protection screws up any game plan, right? If you can't block anybody, you're going you're, you're gonna to struggle offensively. And, and having no Ali Marpet, Joe Hay graded out the lowest of the offensive linemen, like 29%, and Donovan Smith was awful. The left side of the line, and, you know, credit to the Saints for developing twists and, and blitzes that really attacked that, and the Bucks really didn't have an answer. Yeah, no, it was, it was tough. I mean, you said, I mean, when you're, you know, like just through this week so far, I know there's a game tonight, but total pressure's allowed. Uh, Tampa Bay was last for us with 33. Oof. You know, Buffalo actually 32. You know, Baltimore only 8. Green Bay only 8. Vikings 9. Uh, the Raiders 9. Pittsburgh 11. So those teams are protecting the quarterback. You know, Tampa Bay last night, it just wasn't a good game. You know, we know. I mean, Tom Brady doesn't play the best um, when there's pressure around him. Not saying, like, you know, blitz pressure, like he can't handle a blitz. I'm talking about guys at his feet, around his arm, in his face. You know, his pressure grade last night for us was, um, what, 58 or so. So, you know. Um, that's bad. That's just, yeah, that's just what you have to do against. I mean, his, you know, his, his overall grade 
uh, wasn't the greatest either. It's fifty-seven point seven. So it just it just wasn't a good night, I think, for that Tampa Bay offense. I mean, for the whole team, you know. So is it as simple as saying next week against um, you know they won't play the Saints defense hasn't been great this year, but this was their their best game. Um, but next week against Carolina, a team that it could have very easily beaten the Chiefs and is definitely yeah. on, on the come. Is it as simple as if Ali Marpet doesn't play, they're in for another rough night? Or what do you think? How do they fix it? Yeah, I mean, look, we saw how the Pan- you just pointed out how the Panthers played against the Chiefs. I mean, they <laughs> went back and forth to the wire. I mean, that Carolina offense is scoring points. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so if you're Tampa Bay and you can't get an offense established, but I think they'll go back to the drawing board. You know, after games like last night, man, it does not feel good as a player. You know, mm-hmm. especially a guy like Tom Brady, Mike Evans, those guys that take a personal gronk. You're going into that locker room, man. You're watching the film today. You're sick to your stomach. I mean, honestly, it's, it's a tough game to get over. The fortunate thing is you have one next week, you know, and you're still in the mix. You're still in the run. Um, and I just think, look, you have to look at Tom Brady's strengths, right? I mean, the guy loves, you know, work in the middle of the field, the short crossing routes, the matchups, running backs, linebackers. He gets his checkdowns. He, yep. he likes the quick passing game, especially early in games. And last night when I see them throw like a deep post to A.B., you know, only down 7 nothing at the time, backed up, it's like you got to try to get Brady in a rhythm yeah, early, because if you do, if you do that, now the confidence is there. Now he'll stand in there and deliver the play. You know, balls all around the yard. But I think you got to establish something first. Yeah, the Bucks' offense looked slow last night too. But when you're throwing to Gronk, you know it's going to look slow. Yeah, you know that, <laughs> you, you nailed it though. It's like when Pittsburgh, the quick slants. You know the the wide receiver screens. Get the ball in his hands on the run underneath, quick. You know quickly, and let him do his thing. We I think we saw that once last night, and he kind of fell on his ass. But um, well, you no, know, that's a good point because I, that's what I watched from the Steelers last night. I yeah. mean, Ben Ben was up there like uh, six top passing group for a seventy seven point two, with just so many quick throws. Yep. Right? I mean, just Darts. balls out of his hands. He's you know, he's orchestrating that, that offense. Like, I mean, he is getting guys in and out. He's getting them lined up where he wants them. Um, you know, he has twenty. He had 21 attempts from the targeted depth of one to nine yards. You know, so yeah. he's getting the ball in and out of his hands fast this year. He's been doing a really good job of that. But also, there's, there's a lot of flexibility and freedom uh, over there in Pittsburgh. You know, they give – they hand Ben the reins, and yeah. they let him go with that no huddle. And then – Honestly, Ben's calling his own plays. You know, if, if he sees something, he's going to say, hey, Juju, hey, just run run up five yards, just turn to me, and I'll hit you. You know, it's yeah, it's some it's some crazy stuff, but it's it's backyard it ball, but it's also football players making football plays. All right, who had uh, great days for you yesterday? You could start with Josh Allen, huh? 38 to, 31 yeah. of 38, 415, three TDs. Oof. Yeah, I mean, Josh Allen, you know, once again, the Bills just doing a great job in the play-action pass. You know, yeah. that's where he's comfortable with. And I love the play action pass, you know, because for me, it helped me get deeper in my drop. I could see the field better. Those pockets from like the, the, you know, 10 to 19 yard range, I just feel like they're easier to complete. So Josh Allen through play action, he was 11 to 13, 171 yards, and two wow. touchdowns. So he had our top grade in play action pass. He was our number two, you know, passing grade, 84.3. Um, so he did. He played well. And that was, look, that was a huge win. Like I really, I, you know, it's hard for me to go against Russell Wilson. Yeah. Um, but man, that that was I was glad to see Josh Allen come back and play well because 
He started off fast this year and kind of then kind of you know plateaued, leveled out a little yeah. bit. But um, he, yeah, he had a good one. And of course, Rogers the other night. Um, wow. You know, Matt Ryan played pretty good. Breeze again, like I said, Breeze just efficient, right? I mean, it's not like Breeze is th- it's bombs away, but it's just boom, 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 just right down the field. And um, how about Kyler? What a game he had. Kyler yeah, Murray. No, Kyler Murray. And, you know, it, 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 his intermediate passing, Kyler Murray, you know, the 10 to 19 yard range, like I was talking about, he was 6 to 7, 91 yards. Like, and Kyler Murray, to me, like, you know, there's a few times where I'm like, come on, man, just, just throw your slant right there. It was like, I think he was getting cover zero blitz, and he tried running to the right, like around the defense. And oh. you can't run around a defense. He can thrash you when he's, when he's vertical and he, puts a foot in the ground and gets, you know, north and south and makes the cut. You saw it. You know, some yep. of the scrambling plays yeah. he has. So that's the threat Kyler Murray brings is with his legs. And he's, he's a really good passer as well. And I, I like seeing his development. I, I want to see him even do better from a clean pocket and deliver in that sense. Like I was just talking about, maybe yeah. just you know, hitting that slant. You know it's cover zero. Just get the ball in and out of your hand, move on to the next play. What you think about Tua in his second game? The numbers look great, but I didn't see a whole lot of the game. Yeah, Tua definitely a lot better. Um, you know, him in that intermediate range, he was seven to eight hundred five yards in the touchdown. I think Tua, you could tell he's getting more comfortable, and at times it still looks like the game's a little fast for him. The way he's kind of reacting in the pocket, like kind of he'll make a move and he stumbles around, then he'll get going to run. But Tua has a good feel of the game. I mean, I think. His arm isn't the biggest, but he has enough arm. Um, he made some good plays, especially with his legs late in the ball game, uh, to put him put his team in good you know field position and stuff like that. It, you know, so it, it was it was a good game for Tua to show development after week one. And honestly, I was a little surprised because of Arizona's defense, how they put pressure on that quarterback, give you multiple blitz looks. Um, so for Tua, man, that that's a solid win. And, and a solid one to, like, wake up today and, and continue to try to get better and watch the film, see the mistakes you made. But also, you're, you're another week better. You're 2-0 and as that starter. And there's a lot of good good vibes right there down in Miami. So that's pretty cool for Tua. Hey, last one. Uh, Bucks will face Carolina this week. Bridgewater, 36-49, of 310, two touchdowns, uh, no interceptions. And, and he ran the ball, too. Well, what, what are you seeing from Teddy? Yeah, Teddy, you know, what I've seen from him this year is, like, he's just – I like his competitiveness. You know, it's not always pretty, but, man, I, I do. I really like how he's competing out there, and, and that offense is moving. I mean, I give a lot of credit to, to Joe Brady, the offense coordinator, of, of how they're playing and the game plans and all that. And Bridgewater can execute it. You know, overall this year, like, I mean, he's, he's down the list for us, like 27th grade uh, passing grade with 11 big-time throws and 12 turnover-worthy plays. So, you know, that, that mix right there I, I'm not keen of. But uh, I do like the fact of the guy competes. They're honestly in every ball game just yeah. about. And, and that's cool to see because it's a young football team. Yeah. yeah, Matt Rule's doing a great job. All right, Bruce, great stuff as always, my friend. Much appreciated. We'll, uh, we'll chat with you next week. All right, my man. Have a good night. Thanks. Uh, great Bruce Gradkowski. God, I miss his kids. We weren't on the playground or anything this time. Kids kids are being – maybe they're even in school. Who knows? All right, uh, quick break. Special treat coming up next. Our good friend Jameis101 wants to join us. And uh, Buck fans. 
<laughs> You're going to get an earful. Somebody chiding me on, on on social media because I said Jameis was immature for getting on the camera last night. Me? I'm the I'm the immature one? All right. We'll break that down when we come back. Let's go. Right now. Back to the show with JP. All right. Welcome back. Don't forget the Golden Diamond Source is your source for that engagement ring or the wedding bands that you need. Holiday season is coming up, so... Make sure you stop by the Golden Diamond Source and see all their great gifts. They'll have some great promotions coming up for the holiday season. It's our great local jewelry store with uh, Julie and Steve Weintraub, longtime friends and great community benefactors. So let's keep all that money local for the Christmas season, shall we? It's a good idea. Shop those local uh, those local companies, none better than the Golden Diamond Source. And they have the best prices, and they have great service. And once you buy something there, you become part of the family. You can bring it back if it's a diamond and get 100% of its value towards future purchases. Uh, it's literally like having your best friend or a family member in the jewelry business. It's the Golden Diamond Source. Tell them JP sent you right there, 3800 Olmerton Road, always online at thegoldendiamondsource.com. All right, uh, Always pleased to welcome in my good friend, Jameis, one of one, uh, internet Twitter superstar that you are. Have you not been banned on Twitter yet? Gosh, I would think <laughs> no, you especially not. would have been shadow banned at some point, no? I got blocked by Jason Light recently, but not banned. <laughs> really? <laughs> I thought you yeah, were yeah, Jason it's, it's, Light. How can you block yourself? I know, I know. It's kind of weird. Jason Jason used to like me. There was no problem. You know, he showed up on a Barstool interview when I was being interviewed. He showed up in person and... Uh, but yeah, I mean, he he blocked me recently, and I don't know why. I mean, it is actually, I actually wasn't being mean to him recently. I mean, I, I praised him for the Josh Rosen signing. I praised him for the AB signing. But yeah, I just found out one day he blocked me. So yeah, Jason's a little upset. <laughs> Maybe because you're spreading these wild rumors that uh, all these Buccaneer players want Jameis back as their quarterback. Maybe that that might be the problem. Do you think that's the problem? No, no, I've never said that. Oh, I, I thought I read a couple of tweets that uh, that hinted to that. Do you think there's a chemistry problem inside the Bucks locker room now with AB being there? Well, I mean, you know, it could turn into that. I, I definitely wouldn't blame AB for last night's loss. I mean, he just got there. No, I'm not um, blaming him, but I'm I'm blaming. The, I think the acquisition of him um, has put some strain on Brady um, to try and get him involved, and I think left. Which that's what it looked like to me. It looked like an offensive game plan last night that they were trying to get him involved, but without trying to piss off everybody else. It just it just seemed disjointed to me tremendously. Yeah, for me, when, when I saw they signed A.B., all I could think was that it's a great signing in that they keep him away from Seattle, they keep yes. him away from yes. Green Bay. Yep. But as far as actually having him on the team, I don't really think he helps all that much. There's still only one ball to go around. Right. Um, you know, Mike's stats are way down. Godwin's stats are way down. Gronk's stats are starting to climb. Now A.B. is getting put in the mix. You know, but there's still only one ball. So outside of just keeping him off uh, the Seahawks and the Packers, I don't really see it, it, it making a huge you know, difference for Tampa. Yeah, in a, in a positive way, and we just had uh, Bruce Gradkowski on, and you know he played with AB, and he made a, made a great uh, point that you know what the Bucks were trying to do, get the ball down the field to him on deep plays last night, is not really what he does. I mean, it, the quick slants, get the ball in his hand, quick screens, 
um, you know, quick out routes, just get him one on one and let him make guys miss. That's what he does best, and it's not really what the Bucks were doing last. I know they had a couple crossing routes, but for the most part, it it, it didn't seem like the the stuff that you really want AB doing. Yeah, and really, you know, this whole this whole marriage of Brady and Bruce Arians is a strange one. You know, it, it just it always has been. Brady has his own way of doing things. Bruce has his own way. And, you know, if Brady's allowed to do what Brady does, it'll work. If Bruce tries to make Brady be Jameis or Carson Palmer or Big Ben, it, it's terrible. And, you know, I know there's a lot of talk, a lot of Bucks fans are happy with Brady's overall stats. But it's basically they're inflated on three games against terrible teams. And if you take those away, the Bucks are 3-3. Three and three. Brady's averaging a terrible 222 yards passing a game with eight touchdowns and six picks. I mean, those are, those, are, those are garbage numbers. And so, yeah, he had a monster game against some bad, bad teams. But it, it's not looking great as far as when you're actually playing legitimate teams. And the other thing I would say is that I sort of found it funny in the game that the commentator, I don't know who was commentating the game, maybe Collinsworth, um, but he said, you know, this is a, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a power running team. And when you get away from the power running game, Tom Brady's not allowed to play play-action football. <laughs> I mean, if, if that's what they are now, then, you know, they're entirely different than they were last year under Arians, entirely different than they were the last four years. And they don't really have an identity. And so I, I sort of crunched some of the numbers and I looked at it that way. And if you just take the Saints games out, they are a power running team. They're giving Brady 105.1 yards of run support a game. That's huge. That's 33% higher than what Jameis got last year. And it's on 4.6 yards of carry, which is also fantastic. Really good. And in those and in those games, you know, Brady's sitting there at a great record. He's got 18 touchdowns, two picks, and 106.4 passer rating. I mean, those are MVP type numbers. Against the Saints, though, the run you know the run goes down all the way to 3.2 yards per carry, which is right around where the Bucks were last year with Jameis. Yeah. And what is Brady in those two games? A 58.8 passer rating, two uh-huh. touchdowns, five picks. So it's what you're saying thing. is, what you're saying is. If they run the ball, it's a lot easier for Brady to go play action, and they have a lot more success. So five running attempts, the lowest in the history of the NFL last night, not going to get it done. Yeah, and I think, I think that was sort of, that's sort of where Bruce comes into play. And, um, you know, Stephen Che, he got he's at Barstool, he got kind of mad at me last night uh, and thought I was ripping on Brady. And I, I put a tweet out there, and I said, this, this game was not about Breeze versus Brady. Yeah, Breeze outplayed him, but that can happen any game with anybody. That's not a big deal. This game was about Sean Payton taking Bruce Arians to the woodshed and just beating him. Yeah. This was this was Nick Saban against a Division Two coach. Yeah. Bruce Arians got got taken to school. Yeah, I mean, hit, I mean, Bruce, his whole staff. I mean, Bowles, um, you know, running a lot of zone, rushing four, just getting picked apart. I mean, Bruce starts fourteen of sixteen, one forty-five, three touchdowns. Against this defense, my God, yeah. that's ter- yeah. that's terrible. And and you're not playing to your strengths when you're having these, you know, Carlton Davis and and Jamel Dean and Sean Murphy Bunting playing zone defense. It's not what they do well. And you know, frankly, their man to man defense wasn't very good last night either. But um, it, it just it it definitely had the Bucks spinning last night. Even that first touchdown. Uh, to Traquan Smith, they had they had a more coverage bust last night than I think I've seen all year long, and and that's Sean Payton, you know? Yeah, yeah, Payton's he's he's magnificent, he really is. And you know, I I, mean, I kind of love the guy just because 
He just tro- that whole Saints organization is just they're trolls. They just troll everybody. Yeah. I haven't really seen anything like it. You know, Sean Payton dancing in the locker room with Jameis and Michael Thomas, and the Saints, you know, tweeting out just just terrible trolls at at, uh, at Tampa. Even Marshawn Lattimore, you know, he tweeted out like a, a media tweet about how in the last three games with Mike Evans, Mike has zero catches in all of them when Marshawn was on him. And he's like, better luck next year. I mean, the organization's fun. You know, it's, it's a party town, and well, they're a fun organization. Well, uh, not if you're a Buck fan. Um, but, <laughs> hey, look, you know, to the victor go the spoils. Although, I will say, you know, Jameis was a little bit immature last night, jumping on Sunday Night Football while Drew was getting, doing the eating the W's. I mean, come on now. You handed it off six it. times. You know, you, loved it. <laughs> well, come on, man. At least it, wait it till you're a starting me, quarterback, not a backup. It, it, it reminded me of his of his draft day party where he uh, had it loaded with crab legs. That, well, that was Jameis, funny. Jameis doesn't mind. Jameis doesn't mind poking fun at himself. He doesn't mind clowning. I mean, he he's a fun kid, and it was he was having, and his teammates loved it. I mean, if you watch some of the the videos that were after the game from Chauncey Gardner Johnson's phone, stuff like that. His teammates love him, and I actually, you know, like that isn't going to be a media narrative today. But I think this game, part of the beatdown that New Orleans put on Tampa was for Jameis. They loved the kid, and it was a revenge game for like the whole team. Wow. Okay, then. Well, well, that well, that says something. I think that well, that's kind of interesting, actually. I mean, if that's because I tell you what, one team had a lot of energy last night. One team did not. And, yep. um, and and that goes in. I, I saw your tweet, you know, about how you know there were some bucks that looked like they were welcoming Jameis yes, back, and yes. and that that's where I replied with, you know, you'd have to get rid of a lot of these guys because, and I'm not saying that there's a chemistry issue at all in Tampa, but I there are players that are on the Bucks roster that know what happened, that know you know what went on behind the scenes, that know Jameis was done dirty, he was lied to, he was played through for agency and strung along. They know all that, and that doesn't mean they're going to go out and play bad. You know, they're all professionals. But I do think there's a lot of players in that locker room that look at Bruce Arian sideways and think this, this guy, he's a hypocrite. He's a joke. Well, I, I don't know about hypocrite and joke, but I think, you know, when you talk about the A-B thing, we go back to that, you know, you know, for Bruce being so adamantly against A-B in the offseason and now suddenly, you know, he's on the team, which it shocked me. It really did shock me. And it just tells me that Tom Brady stood on the table Pounded on the table, and and that's the thing that I think if it's fragile, fragile already with the Jameis thing, and then your coach is kind of you know basically bending over to whatever Tom Brady wants, and, and which is not a horrible idea. The guy's got some credibility, you know. He knows how to win in this league, so it's not like you know he's coming in and he's not an informed source. He knows what he wants, and he thinks A B's it. And, and and look, maybe in the end he'll be right, but the early returns are not good. And, and and I'm not and I'm again it's not AB's fault but this is not the same team we saw earlier in the season in the last two weeks not even close energy wise focus wise no not the same team yeah yeah I mean you know I, I think Brady obviously he's you know he's I, in my mind he's the Gatsby the greatest of the Super Bowl era yeah. he's a genius you know he knows what he's doing but this is a very strange move because. You're talking about a team that is loaded at mm-hmm. wide receiver, mm-hmm. and and Evans is you know he's looking to put up probably the worst stats he's ever had in his career. And then yeah, like you said, Brady is standing on the table saying AB has to get in here. How does that make Mike feel? Exactly, Mike already feels like he's not getting the ball enough, right? You know, and and they they're bringing in that. I mean, it, it'd sort of be like you know a, a team with Shaq in his prime saying we need another center. Like it doesn't right. make a lot. Of sense. No, it doesn't, and especially when there's only one ball. 
I mean, it has right. it has consequences. And like in a vacuum, you know, and I know Brady's probably sitting back there going, oh, you know, against the Bears, Godwin's hurt, Scooter's hurt, uh, Evans is on one leg, this sucks, we need somebody else. Well, you know, that was one game. You know, Evans is 100% healthy right now. And, and Arian said today he was open all night and Brady didn't throw it to him. That's going to be a problem. I mean, if they know right. that, I mean, if, if, if we know that, they know that, I mean, it just it causes a strange dynamic. That's all I'm saying. And I, it was unneeded. Yeah. That's an unforced error. Yes, you kept them from Seattle and Green Bay, but what did you do to your team? Right, right. And, like, you know, with, with last year, there's a great relationship between Godwin and Evans. Yes. Um, Godwin sort of doesn't mind playing the second fiddle, even though I've, I've said for a while Godwin's the better receiver. But he doesn't mind playing the second fiddle. He, he lets Mike get the, get the accolades, get the credit. And, and Mike is a bigger personality, and he likes that. But A.B., you know for a fact, A.B. thinks Mike Evans is nothing compared to him. A.B. thinks he's like the God receiver. So now you're, you're interjecting this other guy who, even if he does sort of play nice, he knows, and everybody around him knows that AB thinks I should get all the balls. Mike Evans is nowhere near as good as me, so it is a very strange dynamic. It kind of, yep. it, it. I saw one tweet. You know, somebody put it out there and said the Bucks are. Um, I don't know what year it was. Maybe the 2008 Lakers when they had Carl yes. Malone, Gary Payton, Shaq, yes. and Kobe. Yep. And that's true. I mean, that team was so star-studded, but they just never gelled at all. Exactly. It's you know, having all this talent doesn't necessarily make you better. You know, yeah. if you have it all at one position. Uh, so I, I was against it from the very beginning, and the early returns are not good. But hopefully they'll find their way. All right, partner, always good to catch up with you. Appreciate your time. I'm sure you'll be trolling us all week long, Tama stuff. So look forward <laughs> it's to that. It's been fun. Have a, have a great week. And, <laughs> and I still think the Bucks will get to at least the second round of the playoffs. So I, wouldn't, I don't think the, the ceiling's falling in, no, although A.B. No. could change that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Hey, partner. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yep. Have a good day. All right. Uh, we got to hit a quick break here. Um, yeah, let's quit a quick break, and then we'll wrap things up uh, on the other end. Uh, Three-minute break, and we'll get you the latest news on uh, what college games are not going to be played this week. That's uh, all kinds of COVID stuff breaking all over the league. So we'll give you the latest when we come back. Stay with us. Ladies and gentlemen, let's rock. This is Unfiltered Pure Sports. Now, more with J.P. Peterson. All right, welcome back. Uh, Big college football weekend and a couple of notes here. Mississippi State has a COVID issue, so they have postponed their game with Auburn. Uh, Bama and LSU looks like they're in jeopardy because LSU has a bunch of cases. Um Texas A&M has halted activities after multiple positive tests. Uh, looks like uh, Kyle Pitts is questionable after facing or getting a concussion when he got hit by Lewis. Is that Sign? I'm not sure how to say his name, but C- yeah. C-I-N-E. Brutal hit, man. It Oof. was a brutal hit. It was bang, bang. Yeah. Um, but I guess the one thing I did see, it didn't look like he was actually trying to hit him head to head. No, it looked it like he was trying so to get, him, he get him on the shoulder. Yeah, but he was he was running full speed mm-hmm. for probably about 10, 15 yards and just you knocked know, his own helmet off. Yeah, and and you know Kyle Pitts is coming across the middle, focusing on the ball. Those are the most dangerous hits. Those, you know, it, the receiver needs at least a couple of steps to to protect himself. You know, you're just wide open. That's just a brutal, brutal hit. And I, I'm not saying it's dirty. It's you know, you're playing football. The guy's coming over the middle. You know, you know, you got to knock it loose. But um, 
you know, you you, you got to give them a couple of steps. And it's it's hard to do. I understand it's really, really hard to do. But those are the type of hits they're trying to take out of the game because they're just so dangerous. So, so dangerous. Um, and as far as uh, Wisconsin goes, their cases are down to five, uh, which will obviously allow them to play at Michigan this week. They've got to play. They've missed a lot of games. And I tell you what, they've got a hell of a football team. they got a hell of a football team. Michigan does not. I don't think Harbaugh lasts the season, to be quite honest with you. It could get even more ugly for them. And how about a hats off to Tom Allen and Indiana for another big win this weekend? Um, and that, you know, here's a guy that was a high school coach here in Tampa Bay. His quarterback, um, the left-hander, Pinnock, Pinnock's, um, here from, from Tampa Bay. we we got to dive into that story a little bit more. We'll get Coach Allen on. I heard him on today with Jim Rome. Really, really impressive guy. Super impressive guy. Um, and a great story. One of the great college football stories in Indiana this year. If you haven't seen him play, uh, check it out. And the culture he's building there is just really, really cool. Uh, FSU just gets absolutely boat raced by a very bad pit team. Um, you know, watching that game... It, it's just the, the, these kids aren't playing hard. They're not playing smart. Um, Mike Norvell has got a huge, huge hill to climb. And, I, and I, I've seen some progress this year, but what I saw this past week was very disturbing. I mean, Pitt is not a good football team. And they did have their starting quarterback, but he wasn't that mobile. And, you know, you just got to be better. I mean, they're, they're probably the worst team in the a- ACC right now. And then you saw them, you know, I, I watched them beat North Carolina, and they played hard. They didn't play hard at all. And the Gators, I'll tell you what, they are they are a legit team, and their defense is probably going to get better and better. That offense is damn near unstoppable. I hope Kyle Pitts can come back because he's a huge part of it. Um, but hats off to the Gators. And they got the inside track. I think they got a really good shot. Now, whether they can beat Alabama in the SEC championship game, we'll see. But I don't think Alabama's unbeatable. They're the new number one. I think Clemson will have a rematch against Notre Dame. That was a really good football day, football game, but uh, we'll see how it plays out with Trevor Lawrence quarterbacking. All right, our thanks to uh, Bob Herrick, who joined us from Augusta today. That'll be available via podcast. Also, Bruce Gradkowski, uh, Jameis 101, Shane Stafford joined us, uh, Jack Bourgeois. Great show today. Check out the monologue as well. Really good stuff. You can get that on the podcast. See you tomorrow. One